Santa baby, the season for a fresh cut is finally here with the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have just launched their fifth-generation performance package to help you avoid another silent night in the bedroom this year. Take care of your special snowflake with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra and watch your South Pole shine like never before. Get the best stocking stuffer of all by going to manscaped.com and using code GISHOW for 20% plus free shipping and Mrs. Claus will thank you. I've used Manscaped products for years, specifically the lawnmower and the beard hedger, long before they sponsored this show. I was frustrated for years after experiencing a ton of subpar men's care products and decided I'd never go back after experiencing Manscaped's high quality offerings. Both products I mentioned leverage the company's advanced skin-safe technology, which is known for reducing nicks and cuts. My wife also uses Manscaped products after feeling the quality for herself. Manscaped offers an abundance of products, making it the one-stop shop for all of your holiday shopping needs. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code GISHOW at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code GISHOW. Say ho 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 to a well-groomed mistletoe with Manscaped. everyone welcome to the game informer show a weekly podcast covering the video game industry join us each and every thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news reviews and exclusive reveals of what game informer staff along with special guests from around the industry i am your host marcus stewart i am joined in a rare appearance by brian shea hello hey how's it going marcus where are your other two co-hosts uh dead maybe i don't know (laughs) i only say that because uh well i when i was gone i was presumed dead so that seems to just be like i had an obituary and everything on the video version for some reason it said (laughs) gone but never forgotten and you were gone and we didn't forget you so technically that's accurate technically i technically not dead just you were also in black and white so maybe it just gave off the wrong vibe but <laughs> imagine like what else could you infer from an, an obituary looking uh graphic exactly. uh that other voice you just heard is charles hart how are you sir i'm good i am here and remembered yes i that's why i invited you i remembered you yes. and we have a special guest friend of the show formerly of prima games now the hottest free agent in all of games media jesse vitale how you doing man i'm doing i'm doing great and uh, thanks for having me on excited to to chat about video games this week and uh just vibe you know we love vibe in here yeah we're a pretty good vibing crew brian you've got a vibe right now yeah i'm just you know vibing yeah yeah you know? awesome <laughs> vibe the vibing bros that's what i'm calling us right now our new stable don't tell anyone else about it. This is our secret club, guys. We'll come up with a handshake later, okay? Perfect. It'll be like a V-shaped thing. I don't know. Oh, there we go. I think that's Wu-Tang. <laughs> Charles. <laughs> Maybe it's ours, too. I don't know. I'm so chill. I'm just vibe. 
yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we've got a, a packed show this week. We're going to be talking about uh, Tekken 8. Brian, you got to play quite a bit of it recently and wrote a big preview of it online. We're going to be talking about uh, Apollo Justice, uh, the remaster trilogy that you got to play, Charles. We're going to be talking about Fortnite uh, doing everything, it seems like. <laughs> There's just a bunch of new stuff in Fortnite now. And until recently, that was more or less going to be the big hits of the show, besides our usual housekeeping and as well as listener questions. But we got a bit of breaking news this morning as we're recording uh, Tuesday, December 12th, that uh, E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, the for the longest time, the biggest annual event in all of video games, has now officially died, according to to the ESA. Uh, Joining the ranks of Alex Van Aken and Kyle Hilliard, apparently. <laughs> Gone yes, never they, forgotten. Go, they, never forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> we should have prepared an E3 graphic. Oh, man. Um, still time. There's yeah. still time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it, sad news, or but like not entirely unexpected, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think all of us can agree that E3, even before the pandemic, was pretty much on a, a downward uh, trajectory just in terms of uh, relevancy and, and just general importance. And, but it just kind of came out of nowhere today that the ESA just sort of uh, finally took it out back with a shotgun and, and put it out of its misery, especially because, you know, it w- we were supposed to get an E3 this year uh, with uh, Reed Pop, the organizer of PAX, sort of leading the charge on that. That, of course, fell apart, which we talked about at the time. But even when that uh, collapsed, they had, the ESA had planned to try it again next year. Like they straight up said, like, yeah, 2025, we'll be back. We'll be back at the um, – I think they were going to choose a different venue. I think the word out the, that they were going to get out of the uh, the LA Convention Center and find somewhere else. But it, it just the messaging sounded like, yeah, we're going to try this next year and then possibly even into 2026. And um, – yeah, that's just not happening anymore. And the news is still sinking in. It's it's like mixed feelings, I guess, and in a sense of like there's that cynicism of like, well, yeah, this was the writing was on the wall for a long time. So it's this is sort of like the natural progression of like, yeah, this was gonna go away. But as someone that and I, I imagine all of us too, of like growing up watching E3 and for some of us getting to attend E3, it, it's almost weird to know a hundred percent for sure that they will there will never be another one now as opposed to being 90 percent sure it wasn't going to happen <laughs> um and i thought we just you know share our initial reaction so brian first reaction what do you what do you make of all this when i was looking at my screen i was just kind of like huh okay yeah that makes sense like i i, I loved e3 whenever i went I, n- I never really had the the cynicism that a lot of my uh, my my colleagues and and people in the industry tended to have, where it's like, oh my god, I don't want to go to E3. Like I always loved going to E3. I always thought that it was fun to like go and see all the new games, see all the the, the people who make them, see fellow people in games media. Like I loved hanging out with them. That that's why I loved going to the Game Awards so much last week. It's just like you know, there's so many people in this industry that I like and uh, and and care for a lot and. It, it, it's a great opportunity to see all of them and, and meet new people. And, you know, it's uh, it's sad that it's gone. It, I My first E3 was 2014, and that was where I first met Reiner and Andy McNamara. And then, you know, six months later, I was being hired at Game Informer. So, like, 
the the power of networking is real um but you know it's something that really it, it does feel like there's going to be a kind of a crater left in its wake even as like jeff Keeley has already been picking over the corpse of e3 before it even really died but uh yeah i mean it, it's it i'm gonna miss like the stuff that publishers used to do like the big spectacle and everything because like we still get a little bit of that with the game awards and with with uh summer game fest and, and even get to a lesser degree gamescom opening night live but you know it's it, it feels like the spectacle has been tuned down we don't get like the extravagant parties that like uh, what was it like the who performed at like a rock band party before my time it's just like that would never happen at summer game fest <laughs> but like you know it, we do get some cool stuff still but like i i have so many great memories of e3 and it, it's it's a bummer to think that it will never happen even though it probably 2019 was the last time we really had a like a, a legit e3 and even then it was starting to trend in like a weird direction with having it be primarily a consumer show and like taking like 20 minutes to get from one hall to the other. I was, I remember being like, what was it like 2018? Was that the first time they did like the full on uh, consumer? 2017. I, I, whatever it was. I remember just like, cause normally it would take like 10 minutes to get from one hall to the next. I remember being like 10 minutes late to several of my appointments because like you would basically get stuck in the, the pedestrian version of LA traffic at going from one hall to the next where you're just like, standing in place shoulder to shoulder with a, a thousand other people. And it's like, well, there's literally nowhere I can go unless I exit the entire convention center and go around. I would say that was when like the downward trend of E3 really started, but like they had to do something in order to keep up with like the shifting sands of this industry and like the, the continued shift that a lot of developers and publishers had of like, we're just going to do our own streaming thing. And like Microsoft and Sony started doing offsite stuff. Nintendo obviously was kind of the first one to be like, we're not going to have like an E3 press conference. We're just going to do this streaming thing called Nintendo Direct. And, you know, good luck with that, guys. But, you know, it it, it was an ever-evolving show. And I think that it was going downhill. And then when COVID hit, it really, really <laughs> took a backseat in terms of relevance. And uh, unfortunately, Jeff Keighley really, unfortunately for them, Jeff Keighley really ate their lunch with Summer Game Fest. And unfortunately, even Reed Pop, who have a ton of experience with putting on shows. I mean, I was just at PAX West a few months ago and I still had a great time there. So they know how to put on a convention. Even they couldn't salvage it. So that was when the writing was really on the wall for me where I was like, okay, this thing is probably never coming back. And this was just really confirmation for me. Yeah, it's it's so weird because like my first E3, I've been lucky enough to get to go to four. And, and it's weird within those four, it was like the last four to happen. But they were some of the most like, I guess transformative because my first one was 2016, which was the last E3 to only be for media <clears throat> and press. So I guess the last E3 in its traditional form. Uh, and I had the same thing where it was like, it was only a few months after my game former internship. So like, it was sort of a reunion of uh, running into GI editors. Like I remember sitting in one of the concourse halls with my laptop, not knowing how to do this. Cause it was like not only my first E3, but it was my first industry event. Like, as like pressed and figuring out how to like cover that live and I remember lugging my very heavy laptop thinking like well I have to write this like on the spot right this isn't what you do and just sitting down in, in a hallway with it on my lap trying to type up some preview that I just done and then seeing Reiner walk by and like look at me and just give me this quizzical look of like why is he 
why is he sitting there just in the open, just legs out, typing this thing? And I'm just like, hey, what's up? And just feeling like a complete screw up of like, wait, is this like the dumb way to do this? Um, and then learning a lot through that uh, experience for like these subsequent shows. And then, of course, 2017 being the first time they tried to open up to the public as sort of an attempt to rejuvenate it and also get some additional revenue because they were charging, from what I understand, quite a bit of money <clears throat> to to go to it. And that first year famously being a bit of a disaster in terms of like the foot traffic and really not like the booths, not really accommodating the like influx of like 50,000 extra people. And really just a lack of security too. Cause I remember that was the year that I also had a death threat against me and they told me they were going to do it at E3. Yeah. They told me they were going to do it at E3, which was great because it was the first consumer show. And then walking into the convention center with like no security whatsoever. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> For what? Did you give something a bad review? <laughs> uh, it was it was an Xbox opinion piece that I wrote. Mm. Mm. So fun. Well, times. You know what they say? You, you know, you're not truly a game journalist until you get your first death threat. <laughs> so you know that was. I think you were just getting your stripes. Well, I'm a three time games journalist then. jesse uh your reaction to this news have you been able to go to an e3 at all and just what do you think about all this so i never got to attend an e3 i came into this industry like basically right before the pandemic uh so 2019 would have been my shot i guess uh but just kind of passed me by but i grew up watching g4 you know their extensive coverage of all the press conferences I had like two friends that cared. So they would come over and we'd like watch some of the conferences together. And it was like, it was a good time. And then like when we shifted more to like YouTube creation, um, it was a lot of watching other YouTubers like walk the floor and show off the booths. And like, it was just like the spectacle of it was like always super appealing to me. I was like, oh, I would love to go to this one day. Like, this is super cool. All these publishers are here, developers just showing off their games with some of the most elaborate booths I've ever seen. I think like one year, like Mafia had like a tarot card reader and it was like all like New Orleans themed and it was like this a crazy booth. And I just remember being like, damn, I want to go to that one year and now it's dead. So I'll never I'll never go. And Summer Game Fest is great. I went last year and I had a great time, but I've never been to E3, so I can't say it's not the same, but like it doesn't feel like what I what I saw growing up as a kid is not what Summer Game Fest is. And that's fine. It could be its own thing. But um it is kind of a bummer, but when I woke up this morning and I saw everyone, you know, posting like E3 is dead, E3 is dead. I'm like, oh, we're doing this again because we've been saying this for the last three, four years now, right? But then I was like, oh no, this year it's actually dead. It's we're we're done with it. Okay, this is the real one now. Yeah, um, it's not just the saying anymore. It's just the yeah. objective fact now. Uh, but it has um, been fun to see everyone talk about their E3 memories and and sort of you know, all these like weird little moments that happen at the show that like you don't really get anywhere else kind of like, I don't know, just running into somebody in like the food court or, you know, just on the floor and being able to just have that like personal connection, um, which is like my favorite part of going to events is always the people and seeing the be- like seeing friends or people I haven't met yet that I've like admired their work or like they're making a game that I really like. And uh, that stuff still can exist in other spaces, but it seemed like E3 was always such a pillar of that every year. And that's a bummer to see that go. Where else am I going to run into Hideo Kojima in the men's room? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, that was, I, when I think about E3 memories, I realize how many of them were like embarrassing for me personally, but like <laughs> in a good way, where like my first E3, like within like the first 30 minutes of getting to the show floor for the first time, it was like such a, you know, it's that mad rush to get to the demos and whatever. 
And I remember I immediately shoulder checked Mark Cerny, <laughs> like just ran right into him, not knowing it was him until I turned around and he made a noise too. Like that's how hard I hit him. He made like an audible like grunt. Oh my like God. I, I had a similar experience at, some, at uh, the Game Awards last week where I inadvertently just completely truck sticked Todd Howard at the Xbox mixer <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't make a noise but he did he did like one of those like stumble steps when I did it and I felt really he bad glitched. <laughs> he glitched he went into a T-pose immediately after him <laughs> the collision was just a little bit off the collision mechanics yeah. he was stuck in the ground for the rest of the night yeah. <laughs> Todd Howard has a huge hitbox confirmed <laughs> yeah I I mean like like you mentioned uh jesse like the the vibe of like summer games fest versus e3 is definitely very different we're like i i went to the first summer games fest i didn't go this year but you know it was a lot more relaxed a lot more intimate uh which i actually appreciated because like you know I, I guess that like the worst thing about e3 is how hectic it can be you're like you're on your feet like brian mentioned running 10 15 minutes to get to like a hall on the other side of where you are to make some appointment and then trying to like truck stick your way through hundreds of people as you do that and hope you don't hit someone famous that could blackball you or something. Uh, so I, I didn't miss that part of it, but I do miss the spectacle. Like I remember, I think it was my first E3 that had the uh, Nintendo had the breath of the wild booth that looked amazing. That was sick, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember going through that and just like marveling at everything. Or I think it was the year after that, they had the Mario Odyssey booth that looked equally fantastic. And I got one of those, uh, the cappy visors that were like a big hit where I just remember everyone trying to get one and they only gave them out like once an hour or something like that. So they were like this weird coveted item on the show floor. Like you see someone with them, like, did you, where did you get it? Did they give away cappy hats again. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to miss that part of it, but Nintendo always had a really good booth. Like whether they were recreating Hyrule from breath of the wild or uh new donk city from Mario Odyssey. I remember one time, I guess it was, uh, they were promoting Sword and Shield, Pokemon Sword and Shield, and they had like a like an arena, like a sports arena that they almost recreated, like in just like one little area of the thing. And then like the, when they were doing Link's Awakening, they had like a uh, like real life dioramas that like featured different areas of the game that were really neat. And uh, Nintendo, their booths were always the highlight for me. And that's just not because I'm a Nintendo guy. Like I just. They always put, I think, the most effort, aside from, like, I guess eventually turned into Epic Games with Fortnite. Like, Fortnite had, like, the most insane booths ever. But they had, like, like, trampolines with, like, people jumping on them and stuff. And, like, I think they had, like, a bull riding machine or something. Well, they had one, one of those things where it was, like, you're in, like, a giant circle kind of pit. And then, like, they right. had, like, those, like, foam, like, arms swinging around. You had to jump over yes, them or I duck under that. them. Yeah, yeah they, they had those. Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot of uh, really cool booths that I... I think about a lot uh, whenever I'm just kind of reminiscing on E3 memories and then like, you know, so many chance encounters, like when I felt like something hit my ankle and I looked down and it was Vern Troyer uh, riding around on his scooter and he rammed oh, me in with his scooter. <laughs> <laughs> that was just one of the most random moments of my life. And then you looked at him and said, you're blacklisted. <laughs> When people talk about that. bumping into people in public, I usually assume it's like metaphorical. But you guys, all, you have several <laughs> stories of literally running into people. I guess except Hideo Kojima, who I hope you didn't run into. Literally, he was usually story. surrounded by security. Like I remember seeing him one time in the distance, and I was like, I should, I should say something or try to 
interact with him in some way, but he had like a fleet of dudes. I was like, I don't think I'm going to penetrate that. Like a, like a secret service? <laughs> Pretty much. Reggie fils may have that too one year where I was trying to get it again, see if I could get a photo op, but he had his whole like crew. Mm-hmm. So the best I could do was get like a very awkward and weird picture of him from behind walking. And that's like my, <laughs> my only picture of Reggie fils I mean, all those like luminaries like Kojima, like Miyamoto, they always had like a, a bubble of people around them just to because they know that like the moment like Shigeru Miyamoto walks anywhere that isn't like media people only or like Nintendo people only, he's just going to get mobbed. So like, yeah. you know, they they. They're well prepared for that. Yeah. Plus, this was the years where fans were there, too. Oh, yeah. Like, they would need that even when it was just press. But now that the general public was there, it was, like, probably extra important now. So, yeah. yeah. Charles, you're... I don't know if you noticed, but you're you're younger than all of us. I'm a, I'm a baby. And, and I'm curious about, like, what E3 meant to you, like, watching these games. I've never had the experience of watching it as, like, you know, a child more or less um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i know what you mean um i mean so i distinctly remember uh it was like the summer of 2014 or 2015 i like knew e3 was a thing but it was like one of the first years where i was i was like anticipating it i was like oh it's june that means it's coming and i remember i got my game informer in the mail i don't remember what was on the cover it might have been destiny but I do remember like being aware of E3 was very much my transition from like enjoying games as a just thing versus like engaging with the industry or at least paying attention to the stuff that was going on. Um, And yeah, I guess I was going to say from my perspective, uh, like obviously E3 and Summer Game Fest are different things, but like from a, a consumer perspective, it doesn't really feel all that different because a lot of the E3 stuff is still continued on in some other forms. If you're just watching it like digitally, like via live streams. So I am curious of like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this means for like the average person, you know, like it's not like uh, companies aren't going to announce their games anymore um, or that they're not going to make a big deal out of it. But I do. If anything, they re- they announce things more often. Now. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm interested to see like if there is any like years from now if we can look back and see the effect of like this is how news was covered near E3 or at least at the end of E3 versus like this is the Summer Game Fest model of like how much more spread out is it um, are we getting less hands on stuff because not everyone's in the same place at the same time um, yeah I think it'll be interesting Yeah, I mean even this past summer it was like proof of like like he's mentioned, there's no, there's no danger of like losing out on announcements. Like we joke around now about summer games fest, which is really like a month of coverage rather than like a week between like the main showcase. And then all of this sort of like sister showcases that are like adjacent to it, whether it's like the wholesome game show or the PC gaming show or like the devolver show. Like there's always so much now happening in, in June like the one thing I maybe will miss about E3 was having a lot of that concentrated in one week. And this is me purely talking as a, a games media person. Like it just made it easier to know like, okay, it's all in this one week. Basically once this week is over, we're basically done where it's now the, it's like the whole month, right? Where you're just like, okay, we're Sega has a thing suddenly in two weeks. We got to watch that. Or Capcom has a thing that we didn't know about till now. So got to watch that now. So it's a little bit more uh, like a shotgun blast than it used to be. 
but I mean, that's just the the way of things. Like it's it's made me reflect on how ahead of the curve Nintendo really was with all that. Like you could almost maybe, you know, if if E3's corpse was a crime scene, then maybe Nintendo's fingerprints would be one of the <laughs> most prevalent ones <laughs> on the the murder of E3. Because what was it like 2011, 2012, or they first out? But I mean, yeah, they they were at E3 for like right. at, on, as far as a booth presence up until nearly the end but yeah it was i think 2012 was when the nintendo direct started i could be it could have been 2011 but that for some reason 2012 sticking out in my mind and that's as long as i remember like i don't i don't remember seeing a nintendo stage i remember like watching the clip of them all playing wii music one time but like i haven't actually that's a good one to watch (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's because well, the the last stage Nintendo thing I believe was the famous Skyward Sword demo that went horribly wrong, right? Yeah, that uh that one left Miyamoto out to dry pretty much. Like he was he was on an island with a broken Wii remote, <laughs> and just <laughs> look how cool our new game is, and then it just wouldn't work. And I think that was really the motivating factor to be like, let's not do a live show anymore. Let's just do like a pre recorded thing we control the variables and if something goes wrong, we can just do another take. Like, I think that was probably the thing that like, I bet as soon as Shigeru Miyamoto got off stage, he was probably like, we've got to figure out something else. Cause this just isn't working. You know, do you think there's an alternate timeline somewhere where a skyward sword demo goes off without a hitch and Nintendo sticks around for a few more years? Cause they don't have that immediate like thing to look at and see like see this is the problem with this format (laughs) it's an interesting what if scenario but i uh i don't know i think that they always kind of wanted to go in this direction and i think that it it obviously showed out to be a huge benefit to a lot of publishers to be able to kind of present things on their own terms rather than like the the mishaps and follies that are associated with a live stage show yeah, it's just I just been thinking about I can't stop thinking about how at the time when they announced they were they weren't doing a press conference anymore and everyone myself included was just like they're crazy. Yeah. Like, what are they thinking? That is insane. Like nobody wants to watch a pre-recorded video. It doesn't have the same pizzazz as watching some guy go on stage and give like what's likely a very cringe presentation <laughs> to show something. Um but you know, lo and behold, over 10 years later, that's like, oh, no, they were uh, they were on to something huge. Who would have thought? I would love to know you guys' uh, favorite E3 memories, whether it's, you know, from attending the show or just uh, an announcement or just something really funny that happened. Uh, you know, Jesse, do you have one that immediately leaps to mind? Something that, yeah, kind of immediately leaps is a, a more recent memory is PlayStation's 2016 showcase where they just had a live orchestra like score the entire press conference right like what a cool thing to exist like watching everyone like watching Hideo Kojima come out to like Mad Max Fury Road or whatever performed by the orchestra like just just a cool a cool thing that you only get from a live performance right like you you get that energy from that sort of like it being a stage show and that's one that like will always stick with me for some reason. It just it was just a cool moment. Yeah, I believe that was the same show where uh, God of War was announced, yep. right? Like kind of out of nowhere. And it was like four minutes or like three minutes of them like doing the theme, like building up before the trailer came up. And it was just like, what a cool idea that just like worked out really well for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about you, Charles? Um, I have a joke answer and a serious answer. My joke answer is um, 
most Ubisoft musical performances because mm. I always do one for Just Dance, and I have a a specific memory of a Jason Derulo one where I was watching it and I was like, "This is weird, right?" Jason Derulo just showed up and we're doing this, <laughs> and then just seeing it ever uh, at any point go to the crowd, and it's like, "Oh yeah, these are this isn't a Jason Derulo crowd. This is just <laughs> yeah. journalists here. No one was ready for the enthusiasm they needed to muster for Jason Derulo, and something about his brand of music being <laughs> broadcasted and just getting nothing back." was so funny to me. I love that moment. I went to one of those Ubisoft conferences. I don't remember which one, but being there live and seeing the parade of like costume dancers just come out of every like closet or wherever they keep them in the, in that <laughs> arena and just storm the stage was just, uh, it was a moment. It, w- it was an experience. <laughs> uh, what about you, Brian? For me, the, the best memory, I think this was E3 2016, was like the one where I was just like, this has given me everything. I had so many great interviews with a bunch of different developers. Like I interviewed like three different Final Fantasy directors, which was amazing. And like, you know, that was the year I finally got to meet Shigeru Miyamoto. Um, I think that was the year I ran into Charles Martinet just randomly and got to talk with him and get a selfie and everything, which was cool. He was the sweetest man alive. But there's a party that, uh, I forget the company that makes it, but Let It Die. You remember that game? Oh, Grasshopper Manufacturing. Yes. Is that Grasshopper? Well, Gra- Grasshopper was involved, but I don't remember like who the publisher oh, okay. was. Uh, but yeah, Grasshopper. I have, uh, I have Uncle Death glasses <laughs> from like a demo I played of that game there. <laughs> yeah, so it was a um, it was a concert. It was like a party up in in LA Live. And it was just a really, really small room, probably honestly, like only slightly bigger than my basement that I'm in right now. And they had two bands playing. One was uh, a, a metal band with Akira Yamaoka, who is the composer of Silent Hill, just shredding on guitar, just playing like metal music, like with the Silent Hill composer, which was really sick. And I was like, okay, how are they going to top that? And then a band called the Hellcat Saints came out. Oh, by the way, this was all emceed by Bill Burr. Uh, then, <laughs> and like he was just like hanging out, so like I went and talked to him for a little bit. He's he's always a uh, he's always a fun guy to talk to. Um, the Hellcat Saints were the band that uh, opened. I found like their lineup, and I think that uh, this there was a little bit of uh, deviation from like their standard lineup. But the singer was uh, Frankie Perez, who is the touring singer of Apocalyptica. If you've ever seen them, he just. He can sing anything. Uh, there was uh, Dave Kushner from Velvet Revolver on guitar. Uh, Robin Fink from Nine Inch Nails. Who else? There was uh, Josh Freeze, currently in the Foo Fighters, uh, on drums. Uh, at the time, also Nine Inch Nails. I think he's been in Queens of the Stone Age as well. Um, I think it was the bassist of Ozzy Osbourne's band. And then, Were they all wearing name tags with their band <laughs> underneath them? Oh, uh, Gilby Clark from Guns N' Roses was also in the band. And then, uh, you know, they're just, they were just playing like a, a set list of like classic rock ranging from like the 60s all the way up to like the early 2000s. And like just playing like this amazing rock uh, set list. And then midway through, they brought out Chester Bennington to sing like six or seven songs with them. And then at the end, because this was, I, I think this was right after Let Me Kill Meister of Motorhead just passed away, they all came out, including Akira Yamaoka, and did a like a gang vocal version of Ace of Spades. And that was how they closed the show. And it was like the greatest 
one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to and uh, one of oh the greatest God. E3 memories that I have. And also, like, you know, we're all there. It's like a whole bunch of like people that I know just like rocking out together. And then, you know, off to the side, Suda51, uh, just a super cool dude. So it was great to chat with him a little bit as well. And uh, yeah, just a great night overall. Wow. Well, I'm glad I asked you to say your thing before mine. <laughs> I can't top that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess in terms of like pure hype stuff, I always think back to the 2013 E3 with that that Sony conference where they just went absolutely ham on Microsoft. You know, this was then the the lead up of the Xbox One launching, and of course, the stumbling blocks of that 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 marketing went through about like you know you can't play used games connect required all that stuff and then sony just took the stage after they had oh, gone boy. on earlier in the day and they basically just like launched a nuclear bomb of like here's every reason why the ps4 is better and it was just such a it was just such a smackdown that i had just never seen ever <laughs> just at that point in terms of like a public stage like the closest i can think of is like way back in what what was it the first e3 where uh the you know the famous sega saturn story yeah where you know they famously launched their thing the day that they announced it and then sony had their thing where they walked up on stage and all they the the president just said was the price and walked off and it was like cheaper than the saturn it was like that it's funny now i'm thinking about it just it's twice that Sony's done something like that. And I'm not, you know, I'm not like a console fanboy for anything. Like I, I, I own everything and I have no dog in any race, but like, I remember at the time just being annoyed at Microsoft. Like, what are they thinking? Like after the 360, this is what they do. And then there was like a satisfaction to see Sony go out and be like, no, that's stupid. Here's what, here's what we're going to do. And this is so much better on top of like the amazing game lineup that they had that year. Like, I think that was when Final Fantasy VII Remake was announced well, or might have been E3 later, 2015 but... was when Final Fantasy... That's another one of my favorite moments that I ever had was E3 2015 was the PlayStation press conference. I think 2014 was the... No, 2013, I think, was the uh, the PlayStation Smackdown on the Xbox One stuff. But uh, 2015, E3, uh, PlayStation's press conference... I remember I w- it was my first E3 with Game Informer and I was sitting in the room and, you know, we, we used to just get like a-, a room off on one of the side rooms of uh, of E3s or the L.A. Convention Center so we could cover all right. the press conferences together. Now we all do it over Slack. So it's like a not a big deal. But I remember we were sitting there and at the time, like the two most like uh, I would say like the three most fan requested games that were just never going to happen were Final Fantasy VII Remake, Shenmue 3 and Half-Life 3. And they finally announced Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I looked over and uh, they had done like another like highly anticipated announcement. I think it was like The Last Guardian was also at that press conference. So that was also like a long awaited thing. And as soon as Final Fantasy VII Remake got on the screen, I go, what's next? Shenmue 3? And literally (laughs) the next announcement was Shenmue 3. And I remember our news editor, Mike Futter at the time, he looked at me like I was like, a medium like i was like a psychic who could like just see the future and yeah it, it the look on his face aura. the look on his face was just one of like pure shock after that was exactly what happened yeah i you know what i was thinking of um thir- 2013 was uh two other like big projects where they did the double whammy of final fantasy versus 13 that was when they christened it as final fantasy 15 right. after that game had been in limbo for like ever at that point and then right after that, they were like, oh, by the way, Kingdom Hearts 3, we're finally doing yeah. it. Yeah. 
And I just remember just like almost falling out of my chair on top of everything else that was going on. What was on. the year that they were uh, Xbox was like, and here's Project Milo. And it was like the weird kid with the Kinect. 2010. It was 2010 that long was ago? the famous Kinect showcase with like the. You could see the bottom of your it, feet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. God, Milo. Never forget Milo. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Milo brings up my next point. Like, one thing I do miss about modern showcases that you know is going to die with e3 was i really did love like cringe dumb stuff happening on stage like i'm a huge fan of things that are so bad it's good i like watching dumb movies and there's e3 has provided so many delightful moments like that where there is the milo stuff or konami's famously bizarre 2010 press conference which if you've never seen it i recommend watching like there's a youtube supercut because that whole conference is just like a fever dream or Mr. Caffeine at the 2014 Ubisoft show. Peggle 2. Oh my the, god, the, yes. <laughs> the infamous Peggle 2 announcement. Which I love, by yeah, the way. Like, I unironically love oh, the Peggle absolutely. 2 announcement. Just so much joy. And that was kind of almost how I was feeling as well because I loved the first Peggle so much. Yeah, Charles, you alluded to earlier the uh, Nintendo, like the, uh, the Wii Music concert yes, with the yeah. Ravi drums. Like, well, like everything is so like highly produced and just like there's just no room for that now with modern showcases, which I understand and it's fine. But there is that like there's that distinct lack of just awkward charm that I guess maybe the Game Awards are kind of the only place you might get that now because of its live nature. But but by and large, it, it's kind of was like one of the like, at least for me, one of the weird highlights every ether of like, who's going to. Who's going to do something really dumb that I'm going to laugh at this year? <laughs> well, it's the Sony t- 2006 press conference. Was that Ridge Racer? Oh, no. yeah. Nine. Uh, what was it? Five hundred ninety nine US dollars. Oh, boy. Uh, attack this enemy weak enemy crab weak point for massive damage like that disaster of a playstation 3 showcase uh, oh look I, I just found a uh july 21st 2023 article on kotaku saying that you can now watch the 2006 sony e3 press conference in hd on youtube oh my god so in hd yes. wow okay 1080p it's, it's it says. i think that's part of the the danny o'dwyer like uh revival project that he's had going of finding all those old GameSpot tapes and re-uploading them oh, on right. youtube that's incredible right now you can see every poor and Kazurai's face as he's sweating at why no one is reacting to his Ridge Racer news. It's wow. I mean, that reminds me of a when we did Game and Farfetch a couple of years ago. One of our jokes was they were going to release uh, the E3 like Master Collection, basically, and it would just be this bundle of every E3 and all of the worst moments just upres to like 4K or something. I'd like buy that. that. I that would, I would get the limited edition <laughs> collector's edition of that. That that would be incredible. Absolutely. So yeah, you know, rest in peace, E3. You know, it sucks. I, I feel bad for everyone that wanted to go that didn't get to go. I, I know Wesley was lamenting it on Twitter. I, I feel like being mean and reminding him, like, well, technically we all attended the 2021 version that was uh, online. So you ha- you have technically been to one E3. We all made those avatars. Those little, those little we, weird avatars. I forgot we, about we those. All, <laughs> yeah, so I guess I've technically been to five E3s if we want to count it. Um, so... But yeah, it, it sucks. It's going to be, you know, who knows, maybe 10 years or so down the line, it comes back in some weird nostalgia thing or something. Um, but, you know, it, it's it makes sense for it to go, but I'm going to miss it regardless. So, 
speaking of live events, uh, Brian, you and Jesse attended the Game Awards last week live. Uh, we did a full sort of a discussion and, and review of the show on last week's episode. But I would like to know just real quick what your experience was being there live and how and maybe just talk about what it's like being there that people that have only watched it might not realize about the show. Oh, boy. Um, what you might not realize about the show. Uh, it's really long and difficult to sit there for three hours straight without getting up to go to the bathroom. Yes. Because if you also get up to go to the bathroom, they don't let you in until like the, the next commercial break. So you have to like just wait outside. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. they don't. Why? Because they don't want you like walking in front of like a performance or something like that, I guess. But like, yeah, like I... I was I've been to two game awards and I've been able to sit through both of them without having to get up to go to the bathroom. The people sitting next to me were not as, uh, as, as lucky in that regard because they got up and then it's like, wow, they've been gone for like 30 minutes. And it's because they hadn't gotten to the, the next commercial break where like, you know, they're just playing like the trailers that are purely paid for. And in those moments, they're like, oh, we don't care if somebody like walks in front of you during that. Because, you know, when somebody tries to get into their seat, if they're in the middle, half of the row has to stand up to let them through. So they probably don't want people like walking out as Timothy Chalamet is presenting game of the year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I hope they put a TV out there so that if you're stuck out there, you can only see what's happening in case something big's happening while you're gone. I don't know. I, mean, it, I don't think not... there was anything out there. Yeah. Maybe they play the audio in the lobby, but that's, I think about it. I don't, I don't remember seeing any TVs, but yeah, out. I mean, it's, it's nice because like I got to, uh, you know, the, the the game awards itself it's it's a great spectacle right like it they have amazing music and everything like the live performances were great this year even if like they weren't like the biggest names performing like you know in the past they've had like sting open the show which you know we didn't have sting level of uh of musical performances in terms of like name recognition but i think that the performances themselves were amazing like that that band that was performing was that uh, Senua's Sacrifice or whatever like that or Senua's oh, Saga. Hylum was the the name of the band. They're like a Norwegian like like metal band or something. They're they're wild. That was sick. Yeah, that was a cool thing to see in person. I don't know how well that translated. That was like the one with like the the torches and the flames and everything shooting up. Uh, seeing the Alan Wake musical thing was really cool. That was a highlight, highlight this of year. The show. Yeah. Um. Even though I have not gotten to that part in the game, so uh, spoilers, <laughs> I guess. And then, uh, you know, the orchestra is phenomenal. Every single year, the orchestra is incredible, even though the uh, the role of the flute guy is diminished when you're live and you're not, like, watching the camera. I was going to ask that. Yeah, you don't really get, like, the full flute guy experience when you're you're there live. He was standing up, going on that giant, like, weapon of a flute. Which is apparently, like, a $50,000 instrument, I learned. I think Jeff posted online how yeah. expensive that, like, giant standing bassoon is. <laughs> he said, like, so. he posted, like, what the name of it was. Because, like, I was like, what does that sound like by itself? So I'm going to look up. That looks that. like a barred weapon in an RPG. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, was it a contrabass flute? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those yeah really cool so yeah and then like those were the highlights uh the the lowlights were obviously like you know who are we kidding here like we have had an amazing year for video game releases but it's so disingenuous to have him get up there smile talking about how amazing this year has been for games and then like within like 48 hours of any it's almost like how we just can't have a single news cycle without a studio closing or layoffs. And the fact that that was completely swept under the rug was just extremely disappointing. We have the the, the biggest platform in the games industry 
And we're talking about the year. We're reflecting on the year. And I understand that it's a celebratory thing and we want to celebrate the amazing games that came out, which is great. All it would have taken was some inoffensive, toothless statement saying something like, hey, look, you know, the industry has had a rough year. Like, you know, a lot of the games nominated, some of the people who worked on these games that we're celebrating no longer have their jobs. And something just along the lines, not even calling out anybody, because I know he has to, you know, be political with the way he says stuff because he's trying to have partnerships with all these companies. Plus, to be fair, it would take another half hour to call out every person. Exactly. But if he was just saying, like, (laughs) I would challenge the people in this room and the people watching at home who have the power to do so to find us a better way forward so we can keep the people who helped make these amazing games in this industry. He just says something like that. That's all it would have taken to just have some acknowledgement of the fact that we've had an unprecedented number of layoffs in the video game industry. And he didn't do that. And honestly, I was extremely disappointed by that. And meanwhile, having him like joke and smile through it. And I, I, again, I understand trying to keep it a lighter tone, but just kicking off the show at the start with something like what I said would have been all it would have taken to then feel okay about like, the painted on smile that he had throughout the rest of the show talking about how amazing 2023 has been for games, because from many perspectives, it hasn't been great. And I know from the player perspective, yeah, most of the people watching would agree with him that it's been a great year for games, but for many people, it hasn't been. And to see that not acknowledged in any way at all was, uh, was really disappointing. Yeah. And, and and just to, you know, go off that for a second, like it was, it is supposed to be this like celebratory event, right? But when you have, and I'm sure y'all have talked about this already, but when you have sort of like super short acceptance speeches and you're constantly not celebrating the people who made the games, but instead are like, let's look at games that are two, three, four years away is really great because like a lot of people get really excited for those and it gets viewership numbers and does all these things. But like, don't pretend that it's a celebration of the past year when you're giving the people who made the games that we're here for in the first place, no time to even acknowledge no acknowledgement half of the categories don't even get to go up on stage there's a lot of things that need to be worked out with the game awards and i think that being there live kind of underscored that even more because you lose a lot of the like sort of quick camera cuts in the way that they like technically direct the game awards that maybe you don't think about that as much but when you're sitting there and you're like waiting for people to go up on stage and you're watching people give speeches and being kind of rushed off the stage and you can see the big teleprompter saying please wrap it up in person like it it kind of changes your your sort of uh, understanding of of how award shows goes and it's a show to run you know i i get that there's you know you know you got to stay on schedule but i think that schedule needs some tweaking on like what the priority of the the actual show should be and on your point uh, you know having i i was lucky enough that i was close to the front and they were trying to get people out of the, the theater as fast as possible and so they had me go through like the the it was more or less a vip exit because that's like where all the front front row people were leaving. So like, you know, I was leaving with the people from like Remedy and and Larian as they were like carrying off like their their collection of awards that they had. Yeah, we we bumped into each other outside yeah, right. of the the show right there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, oh, you shoulder checked each other. We did. Yeah. We uh, <laughs> which tackled the other. So, <laughs> but like I I got to run into uh two the two people that I was hanging out with in Osaka last year for our Street Fighter 6 cover story uh the the director and the producer of Street Fighter 6 and I was talking to them and it was just kind of like it's great to see you guys but like you didn't even get to go up on stage like best fighting game was not a stage thing so it's like they came all the way from Osaka to Los Angeles for the game awards and I'm sure they're thrilled that they won the award 
but they just like they just got to accept it from the, the their seats so it's just yeah, very you weird just get to see a graphic with your game like it literally like uh on the producer's instagram story it was just like like a picture of the screen of like street fighter six highlighted on like the list of nominees and it's like oh that's that's kind of crappy Yes. Yeah. Swen was sitting there the whole time in that giant suit of armor. <laughs> and, and Baldur's Gate 3 won best game of the year. So I was like, oh, I mean, it's not best game, but best RPG. And I was like, oh, this is this is Swen's time to go up. D- RPG wasn't one. So I'm sitting there like, oh, man, I really hope Baldur's Gate 3 wins game of the year. So Swen can go up there in this suit of armor and like get it, be able to like show people that God. this bit that he's been doing. Um, it's like you just mentioned how uncomfortable it is to sit there for three. How did it, do you think it felt? Three hours in a suit of armor sitting there. <laughs> like, I can't imagine how that must have felt. Yeah, I mean, that, it, it was loud as well. Like, I, 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 again, we exited alongside him and he was over there in the corner, like celebrating with his team. You could hear every once in a while the metal clanking up against stuff. <laughs> oh, I would be so self. Every time I would stretch, I would be so self conscious. You just hear clink, 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 clink. You're like, I'm sorry. I'm just. A little, little tight here. Just kinda... Yeah, were there metal detectors? There were. Like, <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling he had a a, a pass, I, or maybe they had to, maybe he had to take it off. He had to, to be doff inspected. his armor. Go he had to get the full TSA pat down. Yeah, yeah he put it in like the little like cup that they make you put your phone and keys in. He just puts his armor <laughs> on top of it and slides it over. Yeah. And then he had to have them put it back on like he's a knight. <laughs> It was very funny to see him walk up there and Timothy Chalamet just standing off to the side while he, this guy in a suit of armor does it, his 30-second acceptance speech. Do y'all think, y'all think Timothy Chalamet knows what Baldur's Gate 3 is? I mean, I feel he used to be a YouTuber about like video games. They announced him as what? Modded Controller, modded controller. controller 360. I didn't know yeah, what that was until name. I looked it up later. and Because like, he's like, yeah, Timothy Chalamet, the art, uh, streamer formerly known as Modded Controller 360 or whatever. And I was like, what is that about? And then I looked it up <laughs> later and I'm like, oh, I guess that was his YouTube channel that he has since deleted. <laughs> I would say, is that still up? Can you be, can't watch him? I'm sure someone's got it. Ar- oh, it's got to be archived. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, overall, nice. I mean, I, and I don't want to come across as way too negative. I, I am disappointed by what I brought up, but I also think that the Game Awards has gotten progressively better. I mean, I, I still remember... The what was the Schick Quattro Man or whatever it was Schick like Hydrobot the, the Hydrobot and I remember like the the really awful one where it was like the the video game awards where it was like him and Joe Joel McHale like just sitting on a couch uh, we we don't speak on of the VGA so like they yeah, have Brian. they have come a long way like Jeff Keighley has done an, a fantastic job making it better and better like it's definitely an upward trajectory but I think that it's along the lines of like when you have a favorite video game, you immediately like are able to be like, okay, well they could do this better. They could do this better. So it is like nitpicking in a sense, but also I do think that was a pretty bit there are the, the thing that you brought up Jesse about the, the short acceptance speeches and the thing that I brought up about just no, not acknowledging a, a, one of the biggest looming threats to the industry today. Uh, I think those were egregious miscalculations on Jeff's part. However, I think overall the show is very good. And it's a, it's a great thing to attend live as well. Like, I, I was emotional, like, the first hour and a half of the show. Like, a, a reveal would come up for a game I didn't even care about. But because I was, like, kind of swept up in the emotion, I'd be, like, fighting back tears. I'm like, why am I crying about this weird game that I've never even heard of? <laughs> it's also fun to just, like, get dressed up. And, oh, like, 100%. see all your, all your peers also dressed up. Because, like, sometimes we go to events and we're in, like, like you know, just, like, whatever the most comfortable thing is to wear because we're going to be on our feet all day. But there's something nice about seeing everyone just dressed up and sort of hanging out and 
it, it, it's it's nice it, overall it's like just a nice thing to see a nice thing is also that like the theater opens out directly into LA Live and then everybody just goes to basically the same two bars and uh you know the the JW Marriott which is where everybody ended up at uh was just flooded like literally maybe a thousand people at the bar <laughs> it was yeah. crazy like at least 400 people were probably at that bar at any given time like from the moment the show's ended all the way up to like probably midnight it was just like and, at and least it spills out so it's like it's like the bar and then the back door into like the la live area and there's just people ev- like all over so no matter where you're walking you're bound to run into somebody you know and it's just nice those unexpected encounters we are like Oh, you're here. I didn't even know you were here. Blah, blah, blah. It's- I tried to do a lap around the JW Marriott bar and it took me three hours because I kept running into people like every three steps. It was unbelievable. Oh, look at you, Mr. Popular. <laughs> <laughs> I think there were enough and people there. And he's literally, that- literally running into people. Yeah, like Todd Howard, unfortunately. No, not unfortunately. I, I love Todd Howard. I-, I just did not mean to body check him. If you're watching this, Todd, I apologize. Yeah, also tighten up. <laughs> <laughs> Stance up, but uh, that's awesome. But like Game Awards, I've never been. It's one of the. It's on my list of like gaming events that I I've not had a chance to to go to yet. Hopefully one day I'll uh, find myself there too. Maybe in a suit of armor. We'll see. That'll be my dress up. Uh, that would be very funny with, if yeah, that became the, the new trend of everybody wearing suits of armor next year. <laughs> oh man, those then the, the body checks are going to be oh more my intense. God. Then you gotta wear your armor to protect yourself from other armored people. Exactly. Yeah, it's just gonna be an armor escalation where someone's just gonna be in an Iron Man suit eventually. I mean, literally, the next like uh, movie is called Armor Wars, right? True. Yeah, the the Don yeah. Cheadle led uh, Marvel movie. Well, you know when uh, when the Elden Ring DLC comes out and that's up for a game award, all the From Software people will come in armored core mech suits. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be their contribution. But uh. All right. Awesome. Uh, Brian, I know you got to get out of here uh, pretty soon, but before you uh, leave us forever, I would love to know about Tekken 8 because you've played quite a bit of it, mainly the uh, the story mode. Well, I've played three separate occasions. Once was at an event at Bandai Namco back in March. Once was at PAX West and then once was this past week where I was out in LA for the game awards and they're like, Hey, we're having this event for Tekken eight. We'd love to have you swing by. So I did that. And, you know, I got to talk to uh, Katsuhiro Harada, who is the director and Michael Murray, the producer. And I got to play through the first three chapters of the story mode. And then also check out some of the other modes as well. But yeah, the story was kind of the main attraction for me. And I love single player fighting game stories. I think mortal Kombat's probably the prime example in terms of like ever since, the uh, the reboot in 2011 it's really been the shining star for uh for fighting game single player but you know street fighter's been trying to do some stuff with it lately and uh tekken has also i think been one of the the industry leaders in terms of fighting game story modes and they're really going for it with this tekken 8 story mode um within like the first like two minutes you have this scene where jin is riding through like a, it looks like maybe new york like a, the crowded city streets and he he's like chasing Kazuya who is now like the the big bad in the the story and he rides his motorcycle up the side of a skyscraper and then grabs it with his bare hands and throws it at Kazuya's helicopter he throws his bike or the skyscraper he throws the motorcycle at Kazuya's helicopter lands on his feet and like watches as Kazuya's helicopter crashes in like a fireball and then Kazuya just emerges like unscathed, like, all right, let's fight. 
<laughs> and that's like how it starts. Good see you too, son. And then you're doing like these cinematic <laughs> fights, and they're really like you know, it, it's it's kind of like part like action movie style Tekken, where it's like in between rounds instead of having like just saying like round two fight. It's saying like like there's like a little cutscene in between each round, which is fun, and sometimes they're even like interactive cutscenes. But there was uh, after the finale of that, you know, you turn into Devil Jin and he grabs Kazuya, flies him up into the air, like holding onto his face and then slams him through the roof of a skyscraper all the way to the ground. And the skyscraper collapses around them. And then, of course, he's fine as well. Like he's barely has a scratch on him. And it's just like, yeah, it's Dragon Ball Z now. It really it's the most like anime stuff you've ever seen in your life. And I am so excited for how over the top they are going. And, uh, you know, also I got to play some of the new characters. There's Reina, Azucena, and um, Victor. And Victor might be my new main. He is fantastic. He's this like suave French dude who's like always, he's got like gray hair, gray beard, and he's in a suit and he has like a gun. He's like, I guess he's like a secret agent style character, but he also has a sword which is really awesome. And he has like, he's really fast and like, like agile and he has some great moves. And I was pulling off some really fun combos with him. The other two new characters, Reina and Azusena were also really fun. Um, I think Reina is really awesome in the story mode from what I've seen. Um, she's kind of got like this, like cheery uh, personality, like very bubbly, but then like, there's obviously something going on with her about like, in terms of like, there's something insidious that she's hiding. It looks like, so, like, I'm excited to see where they go with that. And then uh, and then when you're playing with her in Versus, it's very obvious that there's something insidious going on with her because, like, they're not trying to hide it in Versus mode. Um, and then with uh, Azusena, she is super fun. She's, like, uh, always dancing, and she's, like, an MMA fighter. So, like, she has some really cool, like, grappling-style movesets and, like, counters and everything. And she's her, her dad's, like, a coffee maker, so she's always talking about coffee and all of her moves. Um but yeah, they're, 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 it's the return of Tekken Ball, which is the first time since I think Tag Tournament 2 on Wii U, where like it's just basically like Tekken's version of volleyball or meets dodgeball. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff. There's also a secondary uh, arcade quest mode, which is like a secondary yeah. story mode where you create like a little like, almost looks like an Xbox avatar, where it's like it really kind does. of like a... Like a, like a a weird like little guy that you're creating and you can customize them fully. I made the most heinous looking character I could. Like, I was just like, let's see. Could you see the bottom of their shoe? Um, I'm sure you could, but I, I was not looking out for that, but uh, you know, basically it's the story mode of this, the production values are nowhere near the production values of like the normal story mode though. That's supposed to be like an in-universe thing. This is actually supposed to take place as you like, it's basically the way I, I was talking to uh, Justin Wong leaving the event and he described he described it perfectly as it's basically like Pokemon within the Tekken universe, where you're not catching Pokemon, but you are going from arcade to arcade trying to win tournaments. And it basically that's like your gym badges. And I'm like, that's really good. I'm going to steal that with attribution. <laughs> <laughs> so he um so yeah, the, like the, the Tekken arcade quest seems like it's going to be a really fun mode, like just like you know, you're, you're ranking up characters. So you're trying to like increase the rank of your characters as you play. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a, I'm really excited for this. It seems like a complete package. The, the fighting mechanics feel as good as ever. I, I can't wait to like 
play through the story mode. I'm kind of thinking of like, maybe I should go back and finally finish the Tekken seven story mode beforehand, because like, it seems like the events are very, very interconnected, but I also want to like replay like final fantasy seven remake before rebirth comes out. I want to finish Alan Wake and Baldur's Gate. So really like, I'm just saying this, it's not actually going to happen. Like if we're, if we're being honest here, but I would love to go and (laughs) finally like finish Tekken seven story mode because Tekken eight story mode is so exciting to me. Yeah, good luck with that. I remember the final fight of Tekken Seven Story Mode is it's uh, brutal. It's not easy. <laughs> so, best of luck if you if you do go back to that. I'm excited because I'm a huge Tekken fan, and I, Tekken Seven was kind of the first time they really went for like the I guess cinematic story mode, and I thought it was a pretty a pretty good first stab, all things considered. And just hearing how how much they've escalated the absurdity, which says a lot for Tekken because it's always been a ridiculous series. Like I've always thought Tekken had the best sort of like, like ending cutscenes of any fighting game. Like just like the, you know, the individual fighters, like sort of story scenes when you beat the arcade with them. Yeah. I, I still like looking them up every now and then. So this always feels like the natural progression of that. And yeah, just everything you sound or have described sounds incredible. And, uh, I do have to ask though, how many volcanoes did you see? Oh you man, did I see any volcanoes? That's a that's a good question. I don't know if I saw any volcanoes, but I, I again I was more focusing on the characters and everything. But maybe there's one or two that I I missed. There has to be, right? There has to be. It's just yeah, like somebody. That, that's the kind of like who's getting thrown into a volcano. It's year, a staple, you know. <laughs> Is it Tekken if there's no volcano? Maybe the who's the new character, Reyna, that you think is hiding something? Maybe the secret is that she's actually a volcano. It could be. Oh, yeah, you yeah. never know. Yeah. Like she sheds her skin and is like, ah, and then <laughs> I'm that's always where the final this. fight takes place. You never know you who know the volcanoes, volcanoes are. Though <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite thing ever was like when they announced uh was it Jin that came to Smash Brothers? And he was uh oh, Kazuya. Okay, yeah. And he was just dropping people off into the volcano. And then, like, he dropped Kirby. <laughs> and Kirby just flew away in the background. <laughs> you know how Kirby, he survived, what was it, Brawl? When everybody died? No, that was, that was and he's Ultimate. The that was Ultimate. Ultimate. Oh, that was Ultimate? Okay. He survived that, and he's the only one to survive Tekken Volcano for, like, what What can Kir- What can kill Kirby, basically? <laughs> Nothing. Um, Kirby Immortal. When, when Kazuya drops um, Min Min or whatever, and, like, the spring leg just kind of, like, slinks down afterwards <laughs> I, I, that little animation gets me every time my favorite moment I, mean, I know we're getting way off topic here but like my favorite <laughs> moment in the smash reveal trailers was when sephiroth just straight up murdered mario like but yeah. then they revealed yeah. that he just put the sword through his like overall instead <laughs> but like for a second they let you believe that he just like literally impaled mario through the chest <laughs> those cowards they should have just ended with that shot just leave it up to our imaginations like mario's dead yeah yeah, Sephiroth gets added to the game. Mario's removed. <laughs> Super Sephiroth throws wonder. <laughs> I want to hear Sephiroth say "Wowie Zowie." <laughs> oh, I want Ellis. That somebody look up Google. Uh, safe search off elephant Sephiroth. <laughs> no, no, no. Safe <laughs> search on. <laughs> safe search on. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, thank you so much. For your Tekken update, uh, your preview is now live on the site, so everybody be sure to check that out. And yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some Apollo Justice, some Fortnite, and then get into some housekeeping and uh, listener questions. We'll be right back. 
Hey, welcome back to the Game Informer show. We are down to three, the three musketeers, you could say. Uh, Charles, can you name any of the three musketeers as individuals? Uh, there's the one that in Stranger Things, he names D'Artagnan. Sure, I'll go with that. I was going to say Chris O'Donnell. I'm be real. I was gonna yep. say Zorro, and I don't think that's part of the Three Musketeers. I think that's a different thing. <laughs> he's like an honorary, like like you know, extended member. He's he's whole. He's like part of Three Musketeers Mexico. I feel like he would be the fourth Musketeer if they had yeah. a fourth one, right? Oh, that's like the ultimate crossover, right? Yeah. Three must the Three Musketeers meet Zorro. It's like your only two <laughs> options are Zorro and uh, the character from The Princess Bride. Like those are your only two other yeah. options. Oh, uh, uh, Wesley Montoya. Yeah. Name is? yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what you think. Oh, I was thinking another one. Yeah. Um, Wesley I did LeBlanc. look up the names. Yeah. Get the fifth musketeer. Um, <laughs> went to Wikipedia, three musketeers, scrolled down to characters, and I am devastated to report there are four names here um, under the musketeers section specifically. There's Athos, Porthos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan. Um, so I don't know if like, oh, okay. D'Artagnan is a brave and clever man seeking to become a musketeer. So it must be oh, like, yeah, he's like an honorary musketeer. musketeer. He's the fourth musketeer. So I was actually wrong. I named a character from the three musketeers, but I named an aspiring musketeer. So is he like the white ranger of the three musketeers? And you know that he came later, but he's like, he's kind of better than them though. Even if he's not. I don't, I don't know. know if he's better than them. Does he have a shield? That's like the real... You know, when can we expect the arm. Charles apology video for naming the wrong musketeer? For naming the wrong, I mean, blame Stranger Things, blame Gaten Matarazzo and his uh, little baby demogorgon slug. That's that's my apology. <laughs> my my apology person. is that it's someone else's fault. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and now you are a true YouTuber. Uh, anyways, I you know what game could probably use the three musketeers is what? Fortnite. Yeah. Because they have basically everybody else, so it's probably only a matter of time before the Three Musketeers appear in some form. Uh, especially in this new version of Fortnite, which I don't know what we call this now. I, I've talked before about how the Fortnite seasons confuse me in terms of the naming convention of like, this is season five, chapter three, verse eight. I don't know. What 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 is this officially called over now? two, Dream Drop Distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yes. Featuring Goku. Featuring Goku. Uh, yeah. Chapter five, season one, I believe. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Does it have a name? Uh, like a subtitle? Un- is it or? Underground? Underground? Yeah. Okay. And from my understanding, and, and I, I fully admit I'm probably the, the least like verse on Fortnite. Like I do like Fortnite, but I, I don't play it too often. But like, have they like, they like sort of blew everything up again, right? And like added a bunch of stuff like is this like the biggest sort of like reinvention of fortnite in a long time so the way fortnite kind of operates is like it'll do it, back when it first kind of did this big sort of like overhaul it was like it, they did like 10 seasons and then they were like that was i don't know if y'all remember when they did sort of like the black hole and fortnite went down for like yeah. 48 hours or whatever everyone and lost everyone their lost their mind weekend. and then they came back and they were like new island we kind of updated a lot of the like the graphics and some of the mechanics so it seems like they saved those like big overhauls for when they do a new chapter 
So like your seasons are every three or four months. And then after X amount of seasons, I don't know if they're still on a schedule for how many seasons are in a chapter anymore. I don't know if it is 10 or if they switch that up every now and then for the last two years. Okay. We'll do four a year. And then, and then when the chapter comes through, that's when it's like, here's sort of your big, I think the last chapter or two chapters ago was like sort of the switch to unreal five and sort of updating a lot of the lighting and stuff. And then they add like sliding and mantling and all this stuff. So this is like the next. So chapter five is sort of the next chapter of Fortnite, where they've now added a bunch of new stuff and modes and they redo the whole map. It's like the most significant map change you get usually over the course of time because the seasons it'll alter slightly, but your chapters are when you get the sort of big changes. So what is the like the big things uh, in terms of takeaways I've seen is the addition of like Rocket League racing yeah. to it, or I think it's, what's it called? Rocket, Rocket racing. racing. Mm-hmm. And like, we actually have a, a new gameplay today episode that you, uh, Jesse did with Alex sort yeah. of showing that off that uh, folks can go watch on the uh, Game Informer YouTube channel right now. Um, talk to me about that because it's sort of like, it, it's such a weird thing because obviously it's a completely different game and it almost, it, it seems like Fortnite is expanding to almost more of a platform for multiple kinds of experiences besides just like, you know, I guess what you would expect from like Fortnite. Fortnite's the metaverse now. They did it. Yeah. They they, they did it. They they finally <laughs> did it. Take that, Zuckerberg. Yeah. So figured it out. Team Sweeney. Um, but Rocket Racing is really interesting because like a couple years ago, uh, Epic picked up a bunch of uh, developers, right? They picked up Harmonix. They picked up Psyonix. They picked up Bandcamp, which I don't really know what the purpose of that was, but they, they picked up a bunch of stuff. Uh, to fire a bunch of people. Yeah, apparently. basically to fire a bunch of people. But we're starting to see like what the purpose of picking those studios up were. And now we're seeing Psyonics with this pretty fully fleshed out racing game. Like, yeah, there's plenty of room for improvement. Um, But it is like it's got its own systems. The driving feels way better than the Fortnite driving, which is kind of what I was worried about. I was worried it was going to feel kind of splashy and like not as arcadey as I was hoping it would. But it, it feels great to play the tracks, especially as you start to get into some of the harder tracks and the higher ranks are like really interesting. There's a lot of obstacles and like light platforming to do while you're driving. There's all these unique systems tied around the boost and like some of them, you know, from other games like Mario Kart and stuff like that. But it just really feels like this unique thing that has its own identity. And the really cool thing that they're doing is there are like cars you can get in the like the regular Fortnite battle pass. Um, that you can get for Rocket Racing, but also for Rocket League. So there's a lot of like tie-in between the two games. So like you can use some of the Rocket League cars in Rocket Racing, and when you unlock Rocket Racing cars, you can use them in Rocket League. And so if you are somebody who plays both of those games, like there is like a good value there for you as a player. Uh, and yeah, it's just like really interesting to see them make a completely different thing, like within the Fortnite editor, basically. Is it the um? Because I haven't played Rocket League in a long time, but like, is the did they change anything about the physics? Like, do the cars just feel like Rocket League cars, but you're just racing them down a track? Or have they tweaked that at all? I don't think they feel as... Because, like, Rocket League is, like, very freeform. Like, you have a right. lot of control. Like, Rocket Racing definitely is a little stiffer. And I don't mean that in, like, a negative way. I think it's just it's designed to be a racing game and not, like, a soccer game. So your cars have a little more, like, weight to them, and they feel a little... Like more like they're meant to, you know, drift around a turn, 
uh, and when they go in the air, you can still do like flips and stuff, like air dodges. But it's not like, hmm. you know, you're not flying upside down, bouncing a ball on top of the car and then like doing a 360 and like no scoping a soccer ball into a goal. Like it, it definitely has its like racing. It's like racing first. So the cars do feel yeah. a little weightier in that respect. Okay. Charles, have you had a chance to mess around with it yet? Yeah, I played a little bit of it and I liked it and it uh, <laughs> it was weird. Like, I think it's... It, from someone like from your perspective, Marcus, that is like not super paying attention to Fortnite outside of like work stuff. Right. Um, I feel like I was really into Fortnite and then I just kind of fell off for whatever reason. And then being like, oh, rocket racing is some new mode. And I knew that they had gone into Unreal Engine 5 and that they were, you know, there was like new custom stuff you could do. And then I had heard Lego Fortnite was coming for a while, but didn't know what that was. And so I think to come at it from outside of like, oh, this is just going to be like a fun new custom mode and then actually see it. And I'm like, oh, this is like a game. This is just another game in the Fortnite launcher. Uh, there's three games essentially that they added to Fortnite. Um, mm. So I booted it up and I was not expecting it to feel as good as it did and as different as it did from what you would expect from Fortnite. Um, mm. And I didn't play that much of it, but uh I'm also not very like good at racing games, so I don't think I'll spend that much time with it. But um, it also felt distinct in a good way, which I think is a thing that's important for uh, uh, something like a racing game. Of You've got the air dodge mechanic and you kind of will uh, uh, stick yourself to like different surfaces. So there'll be kind of like sections where you're dodging to the left to be on the wall on this side and you dodge to the right to be on the wall on the other side. Um just that kind of platforming stuff. And yeah, it's, I can see someone that's into racing just <laughs> getting really into it. And just some kid being like, I'm going to download Fortnite because I really like the cars in Rocket Racing. And just that, that's wild. I don't know. And I hope that um, the community builds tracks. Like the way that mm. like Track Mania kind of lives and dies by its community. I really hope that rocket racing takes off with just like a bunch of community made tracks or like challenges or stuff and epic really embraces that and like uses that to propel rocket racing forward yeah it's cool to see um like psionics continue to find like just all these weird ways to extend uh, not only rocket league's life cycle but finding like new ways to sort of like basically leverage it you know and now like putting it into just a different bigger game is is like super cool and in the same way that like the other big thing with uh, this Fortnite chapter is the the rock band festival. Like, like yeah. I think that's the name of it. Fort Fortnite festival is what. It's oh, it's Fortnite now. festival, but rock band is part of it. Um, where and again, feel free to jump in. Cause I, I I feel like I only kind of understand what this is. <laughs> it's like, like it is it is rock band is what the game right. is. It's like, it's a, like they're a, streaming rock band. Yes, it's like a sort pretty of. basic. So it, the way it works is it's like it's also free and there's kind of a rotating selection of songs. I don't know how often they swap out. I don't know if it's daily or weekly or what, but you just go on. You can do four players. Uh, you know, you can be Luke Skywalker on the guitar with Peter Griffin on the drums or whatever. Um, you can dab before the music starts and then you go in. Uh, it's 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 not interesting in the way that rocket racing is though is what i would say is like rocket racing feels like uh it it can be its own thing it feels very distinct fortnite festival feels very much like i don't know we got all this music people love putting songs in fortnite or whatever let's put a new way to interact with them but it's like 
I don't know. It it is what you expect as opposed to the other things. It's a little so bit of is a there bummer, any to be honest. Oh, is there any rhythm music element? Like are you playing like is there like note lanes or anything like that that you're It's it is picture guitar hero? Yeah. It okay. is that. It is the notes flying down. Obviously not with plastic instruments, but you're 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 doing the thing. But they are adding plastic instruments. Yeah, it's it's shocking to me that that wasn't sort of like the main priority for this thing. And so it's it's like you can if you're playing on PC, at least I don't know about console, you can plug in and like a Guitar Hero guitar or whatever that you normally would play like other rhythm games with. But you would oh. just have to remap the buttons, but you don't you can't use the strum. Like it doesn't have native instrument support, so you can kind of play on like a guitar or a drum kit if you like remap all your stuff. But there's no like native support for instruments yet. But they said they're prioritizing it for next year. So I've been playing on my PlayStation controller, and it's very jarring to be like left D-pad, right D-pad, square, circle, triangle, and trying to like play a rhythm game that looks like Guitar Hero. My brain thinks it's Guitar Hero, but I'm like trying to do inputs on a controller, and all the notes are the same color. Like they don't like Guitar Hero is known for it's like you know whatever it is green red yellow blue orange and you're like oh orange that's the fifth fret like I always know that and this they're all purple all the notes are purple and the same shape and it drives so me that? up a wall yeah I was like how does it even work and, I was like as I have my I still have my Guitar Hero three guitar so that's kind of exciting like well I guess I could potentially use this for this if I wanted to but if they're all the same notes or the same colors it's like well. I, it feels like it throws off my like yeah rock band <laughs> guitar hero instincts a bit. Um, Jesse, you mentioned this being or feeling like this is somewhat of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, this mode. Why is that? So it's interesting because like I love rock band. I play. I love Clone Hero. I play a lot of Clone Hero. That's like my thing. And when they when I heard that Harmonics was making this Fortnite festival, I was like, oh cool, we can get rock band. And there is like an inherent like comedic value to having Peter Griffin on the drums and a weird candy cane man doing the dab next to Luke Skywalker, right? Like that is just like inherently funny. But when you play the actual songs, like a lot of the charting doesn't feel great and it just feels like it's underbaked in a lot of ways. Uh, I wish that it felt more fully fleshed out. And I think to add on to that is like you can buy songs for $5 a pop in the store and that feels like a little pricey for a song for Fortnite Festival. And they are also selling an additional battle pass for Festival called like the Festival Pass. And it's almost double the cost of the normal Fortnite battle pass. And it gives you like three songs and like a weekend skin right now, which is cool if you're into that. But it's like I feel like this mode needs more content and more variety and needs to feel distinct like Rocket Racing does. And instead of like adding that, they're just like charging additional money for it. And that's fine. Fortnite's free to play. Like they got to earn their bucks somewhere. I get that. But I feel like they launched this mode and they could have waited till they had native instrument support until they maybe made some tweaks to the way that the game feels and the color notes and all these other things to the point where like it just doesn't feel like a full product in the way that I feel like Rocket Racing and Lego Fortnite do. And that's kind of a bummer because that was the one I was looking forward to the most. So weird. So like, can you not play a song unless you buy it? Do you have or... the the rotating songs daily or, or whatever? And so you have a list of like, I think it's like 10 songs or 12 songs. And it's like, I think yesterday was like Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo and like Dirty Little Secret by the All-American Rejects. Some like original epic music, like the OG Fortnite track and, and stuff like that. And then like, I think when the shop refreshes, uh, those songs also refresh. And you have like quests okay. to do like dailies and stuff. So there's like a reason to hop into that mode and play it if you're trying to level up your battle pass. But it just like, I, I guess maybe I'm more bummed that like harmonics is not just working on like another paid rock band or guitar hero where like I just buy it and I get like 
a hundred songs and I have my stuff and then they'll release more music over time. It feels very limited in its scope and it's just kind of a bummer. It's like, it's nice on one hand to see harmonics doing something and not being like suffering layoffs or being shut down (laughs) by Epic. Uh, So it's like, well, I guess this is better Them making some content is better than them doing more or less. I don't know, spin on sitting on their hands or whatever. But yeah, it's, I see, I can see where you're saying of like, this feels like this, this, could be more than what it is right now uh because you mentioned what you said there's only like 10 12 songs or and that that rotates so i think the full set list is is larger than that but like at any given time i think if you're playing on the free mode you only have an option of 10 or 12 for that day unless you go and okay. into the shop and buy them for like five dollars a pop or whatever i think it's 500 right. v-bucks, they re- v-bucks per song have they released the full set list like is it good um i have not looked at it but I played Thunder by Imagine Dragons yesterday, so I don't think it's good. Just <laughs> <laughs> immediately disqualifies it. I'm wondering how much of those music lights, like there's almost no chance like those those music rights for the Beatles have long since like been buried, right? We're not going to see yeah, any, I'd be shocked. any of that carryover from Rock Band in there. Of like, yeah, Fortnite, come play, uh, I don't know. You never give me your money. <laughs> Here you go. I wouldn't be shocked With if Beatles all- Rock Band was delisted at this point. Like, I don't even know if you could still buy that thing. Yeah, I mean, I know they did the big thing where they they ended like online support for like a bunch of rock band and Guitar Hero games and stuff like that. Uh, so, I mean, the game's more or less handicapped and by default. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But OK, what a that's such a weird thing. Like when I was reading it, like even when I was reading like our story of it, I feel like I was still like tilting my head like, so what is this exactly? Like, I feel like I I think I know, but I don't, which is why I'm glad you guys were here to to set me straight. Yeah, I think. I think part of it is it's like rocket racing before you understand that it's like a rocket league thing. You can picture like a Fortnite racing game. Like yeah. that makes sense. This is just a completely different genre as is Lego Fortnite. Um, right. Which, which I just the, did that the other big transition. If, if you want to yeah. talk about Lego, Lego Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the coolest looking thing I've seen. One. Whereas like, I, I kind of want to fire it up just to, to run around in that. How, how's that been? It's, cool it's wild yeah <laughs> it's weird that it's uh i don't know uh I, so i haven't i really haven't played a ton of any of these i just played enough to check it out i don't know jesse if you've spent more time with it but i spent like uh maybe half an hour in lego fortnite uh i mainly wanted to see which of my skins had lego versions because they're doing something like uh a thousand existing fortnite skins are getting lego versions and they're gonna add more over time and update them to make them better Wait, did um, the Dragon Ball characters have Lego versions? I don't think so. <sighs> my weird so candy like a cane lot of my license. That's all that mattered skins. to me. Who is my weird candy cane man? I'm just like oh, some yeah. <laughs> weird Fortnite candy cane weirdo. I a lot of my license skins don't have Lego versions, but like I know they exist. Like Miles Morales doesn't have a Lego skin, but like there's Lego Marvel games. So like the I don't know. They don't. There's some some are easier to come across than others. I think I don't know if like making a lego goku is going to be a hard like licensing deal or yeah, however that i don't know if, i don't think they've ever there have ever been lego dragon ball in general yeah to my knowledge yeah. so yeah but i can play as lego luke skywalker because lego star wars games are that's all thing um and yeah it's just a survival game it's completely different it's like a you mine trees and get sticks and you build buildings and it's all made out of legos and um <laughs> you it gets cold at night, so you got to build torches. You know, you know how survival games. Is it work. the same really satisfying Lego building animation where you just all the pieces just? 
like in like the Traveler Tales games or not as satisfying. So. It's it's more like um you get a blueprint for like a house. I mean you you could freeform build too, but like you get like a blueprint for a house and it'll be like, okay, take this part and put it here and take this part and put it here. And then it'll kind of just like like show up. It's not the like okay. the Lego games where like, yeah, all the all the studs are like going into the the piece and it's like building quickly in front of you. It's more of like a piece by piece thing. But the really gotcha. the really fascinating thing about Lego Fortnite is that the map itself is not Lego. Like it's like a normal Fortnite hmm. map. So you like you'll chop down a normal looking tree and then it'll break into Lego wood and you'll collect Lego oh. wood. It's really it's like a really interesting sort of like art style juxtaposition and I I really enjoy it. Um it's very fun to fight like Lego characters in like a very realistic world. <laughs> like Yeah. Is it um cuz there was a Lego 2K Drive earlier this year which was like a driving game but also like an open world game too that was like entirely in like a Lego land and I I don't know if you guys played any of that but I was wondering of like is that like which was like the more interesting or more fun kind of Lego open world to explore this year between that and I hadn't I, guess I haven't played like... 2K Drive. I've heard okay. good things but I have not played it myself. Gotcha admittedly i'm not a huge i'm not a huge lego person but like a lot of my friends who i play fortnite fortnite with are very into this mode right now so um i've actually been playing a lot with alex van aiken um gone but not forgotten and they you know he's like survival sicko mode so he's like all about this right now and so i've been playing with him and it's like i'm just here trying to build like a little log cabin and he's over here like, I'm going to go fight the dragon in the castle over here and get us all the marble we need to build the biggest tower in the world. I'm like, all right, bud, you do what you got to do. I'm going to build this log cabin over here and put my bed in it and make a nice little house for myself. Exactly. You're like, I'm not trying to get killed. I just want to have a nice little cabin. Just yeah. hang out, you know? Just vibe. Yeah, you know. Cottage core. Cottage core. I was trying to get you all killed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I want to check it out is this a limited thing is this gonna go away relatively no. soon these or? these are like they they put on twitter the other day that like this is for the foreseeable future all three of these modes are going to exist in fortnite and get regular updates okay they've like created their own independent uh twitter accounts to update like when those features are coming and stuff so it's like that's why jesse said they've made the metaverse in fortnite and it sounds like a joke, but it is like the idea of metaverse as misconstrued as it often is of like people think it can be whatever. It's just like a place you exist and can do lots of things. And by putting all of these new games in Fortnite, it is a thing of like, oh, I'm sick of Fortnite. Let's play Rocket Racing, which is also in Fortnite. Like their whole goal um, with like a free game is you want to get people to spend as much time as they can in it, ideally to get them to spend money on stuff. But like um it's also a thing of a few years ago like when nfts were still a thing there was that thing running around where people were like imagine if you get like the spider-man nft then you can have spider-man in any video game you want because you'll have the spider-man nft and that's not how it works because licensing every, be damned every game every game developer would have to design that skin in their game like it couldn't just automatically transfer over because that's not how it works but if all the games are Fortnite, like there's no reason why Spider-Man can't be in the driver's seat in Rocket Racing and in a game of Battle Royale and playing the guitar in Fortnite Festival. Yeah. Um, it's like a theme park now. It's like, yeah. you know, like when you think of like Disney of like you can hang out in Epcot and be like, I'm tired of Epcot. Let's go to Animal Kingdom. 
but at the same time you're still in disney yeah. you know it's like you can't escape it i, I think the thing that really like like landed that point for me was when i loaded up rocket racing and next to in like the bottom right there's the esrb rating for rocket racing because like where else are you going to see that so when you load up rocket racing it's like oh here's our esrb rating like in the corner like whatever it says like cartoon violence or whatever and i'm like oh yeah i guess like they do kind of have to put a rating on this game even though it's inside of another game and like they want it to be this like own entity they're going to follow the rules that every other video game company follows when they publish a game or develop a game and so it's it's really weird to see that when you're just playing Fortnite, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of different esrb ratings for different things you're about to experience what if they add alan wake 2 to Fortnite at like they just put the whole game in there because you know epic published they it could. so they're like this is alan wake 2 land so that has like a mature rating and you could just go play alan wake herald 2 of darkness will come to Fortnite festival at some point Oh, I would love that. Um, Marcus, I was going to say, I don't know if you know that they put the Alan Wake skin in Fortnite and then they added an Alan Wake 1 recap world in Fortnite. Yeah. Where you could play that if you needed to catch up on the events of the first Alan Wake to play Alan Wake 2. What is the... the, Is it just a video that plays? No, it's an experience. You have like a flashlight It's like a custom world that they made because they've got those tools. I think that's what's... That's another thing that's wild about these new modes is like there have been custom games in Fortnite where people will make their own rule sets and it's like right something like that that alan wake thing is not unfeasible and this is like the next step past that but kind of opens the door of like why not put all of alan wake 2 in Fortnite? who's gonna stop it's it's roblox of all the meta games to do god i i bet one day they're gonna reveal that like remember that unreal 5 demo with the lady climbing and yeah. stuff they're gonna reveal that that was actually like Fortnite, and uh, you could just play that now like it's just a, a new Fortnite thing that they were they they said was possibilities are endless time or something <laughs> yeah all righty well thank you guys for our, our weekly Fortnite update i i will probably check it out though now that you've said that it's going to be around for the foreseeable future my urgency has uh, lowered Fair. <laughs> substantially but I would like to check it out. Maybe if I do, I'll hit up one or both of you to so that you can guide me through it and, and make me look better than I am at that game. Uh, Charles, you have spent a lot of time uh, or maybe a little bit of time. I don't know. You tell me um, in court for some things you, you've been uh, in a courtroom, but not because you're in trouble, but you have been trying to help people get out of trouble because you've been playing the Apollo Justice. Is it just Apollo Justice? trilogy or the i think it's a apollo justice ace attorney trilogy ace attorney trilogy which is the upcoming remaster of apollo justice um phoenix Wright, spirit of justice and phoenix Wright uh dual destinies yes correct okay the two the two three yes phoenix so so many question marks in your voice but you got everything <laughs> correct you know those subtitles get kind like after <laughs> like i my phoenix Wright is that original trilogy which I, yeah. I know intimately and I love those three games. And then when you get beyond that, like I've actually been, I started playing Apollo Justice for the first time last year, but I haven't finished it yet. But I have like a a DS copy of it that I, I'm oh. very early in. Um, oh, so now gee. I'm wondering like, should I just finish this or should I just wait for this like remastered version to start over? Um, so tell me, what should I do, Charles? Well, yeah, I, I think the, so they're remastered. So the story is the same. Um, the three games are Apollo Justice Ace Attorney, Phoenix Wright, colon, Ace Attorney, hyphen, Dual Destinies, 
and Phoenix Wright colon Ace Attorney hyphen Spirit of Justice. Um, so they put Phoenix's name in the last two games, um, and I had never played them before. I played Apollo Justice. There's like a iOS port. I played that a few years ago. Um, but Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice were the only games I hadn't played. Say, um, I actually bought them when the 3DS clo- uh, store was closing because Capcom like steeply discounted them. So I was like, oh, here's my chance. And then they announced that this was happening. Oh, so That's how they get you. I did too, Marcus. <laughs> I I have I have a memory of the day it was closing. I was like, oh my gosh. I didn't realize there were DLC trials for both of these games. If I don't get these now, I might never be able to get them. And it was like right. stressing me out. And I was like, I'll just do it. I just get them. Uh, and I kind of regret it now because I didn't need to. But I have it. I don't know. Maybe it's worth something something. Anyways, yeah, if you're not familiar with Ace Attorney games, uh, you play as a defense attorney and you defend someone who is always on trial for murder, I think. There might be one trial in like the great Ace Attorney where it's like theft, I think. But the yeah, vast they're rarely in there for anything murder. minor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the first three games you play is Phoenix Wright, which is, I think, the character most people would know. Um, and then the fourth Ace Attorney game is called Apollo Justice Ace Attorney takes place seven years after the third Phoenix Wright game. Um, and you actually start out uh, defending Phoenix Wright in a trial for murder as Apollo Justice. Right. Um, it's kind of like so a younger like, upstart lawyer. Yes. Likes uh, fresh out of law school. Um, and yeah, he's, he's a, he's a cool character. And then dual destinies introduces uh, a new protagonist, uh, whose name I will not say for reasons that will become clear soon. But uh, yeah, the games are are better here than I think they have been in any past incarnation. Um, they've got auto advance, which I really like. So you just press a button and then it just scrolls for you, which is good because uh, I just like to watch it like it's a TV show sometimes and just like eat chips and play the game. But I don't want to press the B button over and over again. Um, and you'll still you can still play that way. Like you'll select evidence when that part comes up. You can just do reading most of the time there is also a story mode you can toggle on if you don't even want to do the evidence presenting and just literally experience the whole thing as like cutscenes, um which is also cool uh there's also like a history but that's the thing with auto advanced things usually is there's a button you can check to scroll back and see the text you missed um which is really useful for these games because sometimes you yes. accidentally mash too fast and you're like oh my gosh i totally missed what they said but they're asking you like something really important and like oh i'm on my last chance before i fail the entire trial and i did not catch that last piece yes. of dialogue <laughs> um yeah and the later games have uh this like consult feature where if you like present the wrong piece of evidence twice um your like partner in the trial will be like i think this is the statement that you should like, be looking hey, stupid. at <laughs> but yeah they're good games there's also a, a museum mode in this game uh so you can see like all concept art you can play uh the super good soundtracks um and then there's an animation studio which is like a cool thing of they basically have like whenever they talk it's just the text and then they'll do animations to whatever you know emotion they're feeling so they'll be like mm. i got it right or like oh no i got it wrong and everyone's got like their own quirky thing there's a character in dual destinies and they make pottery and when they're upset they just smash pottery on the ground that's fun yeah um, normal who knows where they get the pottery but um so if you want to see those clips or like just the big reactions from some characters you can see those for all the games and yes do you guys have any any questions about jesse i know you played a snippet of it recently 
all I remember from playing it was that I dressed up one of the characters in like a like a tiger suit, like a like a their suit was a different skin or whatever, and the people were like, "That's a good choice," and I said, "Hell yeah!" I don't remember <laughs> anything else that happened in that because I got like twenty minutes with it, and yeah, I was right. already trying to play catch up with like. Who is this character? What? Where? Where are we? What are we doing? We're in trial now. What happened? Uh, yeah, I was gonna ask you, you're a Phoenix Wright fan. I, it is a general, series or? that I've always wanted to get into, but again, it's one of those things where it's like those games are pretty long, and I I heard the that trilogy that came out on Switch like those. If you want to play that entire thing, it's it's an investment, and I just have not yeah. had the time to to get into them. But it seems like my kind of stuff. I love sort of like logic puzzles and just sort of, sort of like trying to you know piece the evidence together in your head like a good detective game right where you're like okay yeah. how do these things work together to get my me through my goal um so yeah. one day i will i will play this series i hope you do yeah i've only like i mentioned i've beaten the the original trilogy i've not really played beyond that for just different reasons i i want to but i adore those first three games and i on top of the investigation gameplay like honestly what keeps me coming back are the characters and the writing like it's just it's so funny and it's weird how they juxtapose like really funny writing and weird characters with like some pretty serious crimes mm-hmm. of like people getting murdered and you're looking at these crime scene photos of this person that got stabbed or something and you're like oh my god uh, but then some, some someone says something really weird or it's a, a weird guy that really likes coffee with a weird visor and you're like i this i guess this is just normal in this universe <laughs> these, yeah. these weirdos exist but I, I think that's what adds to that series charm is that weird sort of like juxtaposition of themes a bit. So yeah, I guess I, I I'm probably gonna like or not even probably I'm definitely gonna bite the bullet and just start Apollo Justice again on this version. Uh, that auto scrolling thing especially is enticing just to be able to sit back and just let it play out until I need to interact with it. Um, so yeah, that's coming out next month. I, I forget the exact. Date. It's coming out January 25th, which I've learned is a packed day for games. <laughs> yes. Um, today, Same. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth comes out, according to Jesse. Yeah. Is that the Tekken? Is that I think Tekken's like around there. I think it's like either okay. shortly after or right before. Uh, oh, January 26th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> really great. Yeah. Big week in uh, in video games. And I do want to say, if, if you are looking at an Ace Attorney, I would say the first thing to play is the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney HD Trilogy is also on a bunch of platforms it might be on game pass now even um, but that's those first three games remastered um, and then more recently they had the great ace attorney chronicles which is two games that are like set way in the past that's like phoenix Wright's ancestor or something like that um oh yeah the are... fake sherlock holmes yeah herlock holmes, herlock holmes. right <laughs> yes put respect on his name please those games are also good i think there's a debate there's a pretty genuine debate between whether the original trilogy and great Ace Attorney Chronicles is better. Like those are both very good sets of games. I think the Apollo justice trilogy is generally considered. I'm sure there's people that disagree generally considered to be like the three weakest games in the series, but it's like, it's still pretty good. It's like, like with pizza, even bad pizza is still pizza. (laughs) I also don't think they're bad from what I've, I've experienced so far. Um, But if you haven't played it, definitely don't start here because these are the ones like, it helps starting Apollo Justice to just know what happened in Phoenix, right? Even though you don't have to, it's just you're going to appreciate stuff more. Um, but for Great Ace Turner Chronicles in the original trilogy, you can start this fresh. Marcus mentioned that this game is silly goofy, and it totally is. And so I thought I would take this opportunity 
to play a little game with you guys. Um, and I have assembled a list of character names from this game. Um, and they're often puns or just jokes, little wordplay things. Are these from Apollo, the Apollo Justice trilogy, or is this from like across the board? This is from across the series. Okay. I, um, I might even, I might still be at a disadvantage. It's been so long since I've played the, the original trilogy. So I, I, I've likely forgotten some people's names. So, so, uh, this first one, there's a third character added in Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice. Um, Wait, what are two we... of these names are fake and one of them is real. Okay. You're going to tell gotcha. me which of these is real. Is her name Artemis Truth, Juno Jury, or Athena Sykes? I'll go through this again. Artemis Truth, Juno Jury, Athena Sykes. I... How do you want us? Do you want us just both answer at the same time, or just throw out throw out an answer? You can you say whenever you're ready. Okay. I, I think it's Artemis Truth. I'm gonna say Athena Sykes. That is one point for Marcus. Yeah. And I believe you're supposed to say objection, Jesse. Objection. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, we have uh, some characters. This is from the first Phoenix Wright game. Um, these characters are in the same trial. Uh, now I'm doing two real, one fake. Just okay. The, now, all the rest of them, you're going to guess which one is the fake one that I've made up. Oh, okay. So these are characters from the very first trial in the first Phoenix, right? And their names are just kind of like two related things. So we got April May, Red White, and Daisy Rose. See, and I... that is April May, Red White, and Daisy Rose. And you're guessing which one is fake. I'm going to go with, was it April May? April May. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, go I'm gonna with, say that's the fake. with Daisy Rose. That is a point for Jesse. I'm on the board, baby. Ah, oh. versus uh, yes, April May. Uh, she's a character. She's like wears like a pink jumpsuit, and she's like all cutesy. And then you figure out she's got a dark secret, and she has this like really intensely detailed angry face that haunted me. Um, next up, this is a trial from uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Dual Destinies. Uh, the opening trial has to do with bombs and explosions. So all these people have bomb names. Okay. We have, I mean, bomb is in there so good. Uh, I mean, they are pretty good. We have Bob Arm, Candice Arm, and Ted Tonate. Again, that's Bob Arm, Candice Arm. And Ted Tonate. You're guessing which one is fake. It's got to be Bob Omb, right? See, I that's, I'm that, pretty sure that's I, a Paper the, Mario I, character. I feel like the series is cheeky enough to be that blatant. <laughs> to, <laughs> so that's why I didn't immediately pounce on it, but you might be right. What was the last one? Bob Om, Candace Arm, and Ted Tonate. I'm going to go with Ted. Jesse, you're going with Bob Omb. Bob. That is a point. <laughs> For Jesse. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, I should have trusted my gut. I'm 90% like, oh. sure the characters in the Origami King. <laughs> yeah, no, bob Oms are just... Yeah, yeah. That's so I thought that too, but I was like, maybe they just went for it. <laughs> they call, they call <laughs> they him just, Bobby in that game. They just didn't care. Yeah. Um, This is from a trial. I don't know which game it is, but uh, these are all like technology people and their names are all palindromes. Ooh. Um, so we've got Lisa Basil, Glenn Elg, and Mark Ram. Again, I'm saying Lisa Basil, Glenn Elg, and Mark Ram. I'm going Mark Ram. I'm going, what was it, Glenn Elg? 
Glen Elg. Yeah, I'm going with that one. That is a point for Mark. Yes, tied it up, baby. <laughs> we have we have yet to have one where no one gets a point, which is really exciting. Um, next up, we got some funny kind of rhyming names. We have Charlie Barley, Waki Kataki, and Mimi Miney. Are you having a stroke? That is Charlie <laughs> Barley, Waki Kataki, and Mimi Miney. Charlie Barley, Waki Kataki. Waki Kataki? <laughs> Waki Kataki. I'm going with the, what was the last one you said? Mimi Mimi Mimi. Mimi. Yeah, I'm going with that one. Oh, man. Hmm. You know what, Jesse? I'm going to hold hands with you. I'm going right. to also go Mimi Mimi. You are incorrect. Oh. Uh, Mimi Mimi is real. Mimi Mimi uh, has a twin sister, Eeny Mimi. Oh, of course. Charlie Barley, I made up. Mm. Uh, so a little, little self-insert there. You're so good at um, making up these names. It was like, thank you. Know. Uh, finally, this is the last one. This will be winner takes all. When you start out these games, you face off against Prosecutor Payne. Last name right. is Payne. Um, and there are a few incarnations of Prosecutor Payne. You're going to guess which of these is fake. We have Winston Payne, Gaspin Payne, and Howie Payne. Winston Payne, Gaspin Payne. And Howie Payne. I'm going Howie Payne. Yeah, I'm also going Howie Payne. Yeah, holding hands again. You were both correct. Howie Payne, you guys tied at three all. What happened? The perfect outcome. Are we just both the winners? You were both declared not guilty. Objection. Oh, wait, no, no, wait. That's good. Never mind. (laughs) I guess neither of you committed murder. I guess that's the real dual destiny. Hey. Whoa. There we and go. that's the way the cookie the cookie crumbles. Boom. I don't know if there should be a sound bite that accompanies that, but yes, there we go. Well, thank you so much, Charles, for that lovely game that we both won. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, check out, I guess, uh, Phoenix Ride. Uh, you have a preview of this game up on the site yes. now. Uh, yes. So. Yeah, go to GameInformer.com if you want to read Charles's complete thoughts on the Apollo Justice uh, Ace Attorney trilogy coming out next month. And yeah, let's uh, wind the show down with a bit of housekeeping and then maybe answering a couple of uh, listener questions. As soon as I bring it up. So yes, housekeeping. This is the portion of the show where we tell you how to find us how to keep up with Game Informer content, and of course, how to best support us. And the best way to do that is to purchase single issues of Game Informer. You can pick up an issue at your local GameStop. They are $7.99 each. The Avatar issue is now in stores. I know that because I went to a GameStop a few days ago and I saw a nice stack of them and it made me uh, beam with pride. And if you're watching the video version, you can see Charles modeling one here, doing his best QVC impression look at that and and jesse would have one he's like you know he's got the idea sort of like that's how you would hold it if yeah there you go perfect perfect magazine model so yes 7.99 go to gamestop you can pick up uh the avatar issue as well as uh mini back issues you can also buy them on game or gamestop.com and have them shipped right to you of course you can also follow us on social media at uh various places we are all over the place uh we are on twitter facebook instagram tiktok threads uh blue sky all at game informer so keep an eye us for there 
And if you want to follow us individually, I am on social media at Marcus Stewart seven on both Twitter and uh, Blue Sky. Uh, Charles, where can the fine folks hit you up? I'm Chuck Duck three six five, and I'm everywhere. There you go. And uh, Jesse Vitelli, where can uh, peeps keep up with you at? Uh, you can find me at Jesse Vitelli. Just my name, nothing fancy. I'm there all over the place. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Don't find me on Facebook. Uh, you don't want to be there. Uh, LinkedIn, that's a place that you can find my stuff. You know, you type Jesse Vitelli into Google. You'll probably find me. I don't know. You'll, you'll figure it out. If you find eggnog enthusiast, like you've probably come to the right spot. Yeah, You are the only person named Jesse Vitelli on earth. Canonically, so. yes. It's true. Yes. I made sure I, I, I had the best SEO of all the other Jesse Vitellis to erase them. <laughs> Your parents were really big in SEO. Yeah. <laughs> they call me Jesse O, you know? Wow. There you go. Uh, you can also follow us on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Game Informer. Uh, we'll be, should be resuming, uh, or starting rather, a new Super Replay series this Friday because Kyle will be back. Uh, we have not announced what that is yet, so stay tuned this Friday to see what that is. Uh, odds are we'll have another stream up as well uh, that you can check out. In our stream archives on our second YouTube channel, Game Informer Shows, kind of the sister channel to our primary Game Informer YouTube channel where we have all of our archive streams, as well as podcasts like Game Informer Show that you are currently watching if you're on YouTube, as well as uh, All Things Nintendo, our other podcast hosted by Brian Shea. You can check that out every Friday. And of course, a special shout out to our podcast editor, Matt Storm, aka DJ Storm again. Be sure to check out their podcast, Fun and Games, as well as Reignite, which is a Bioware-focused podcast. And now we hit the show where you can influence what we talk about, which is our listener questions. If you want to hit us up with a question, you can do so in two ways. You can either email us at podcast at GameInformer.com, or if you're in the Game Informer Discord channel, you can just drop a question into the Game Informer show uh, channel. Uh, how do you subscribe to the Discord, you ask? Well, you can get access by simply following us on Twitch. Just subscribe to our Twitch channel one time, and that gets you instant access to the Game Informer Discord channel with our lovely GI community who are always great about asking us super fun, super insightful questions. So yeah, you guys ready to answer some of these questions? Let's do it. A's for Q's. Here we go. So Chain Whippin in Discord asks, have the Game Award winners piqued your interest in picking up something that you weren't going to play? I finally succumbed to Baldur's Gate 3 hype and got the Xbox version, and I might also have to dip my toe into Armored Core 6. So as a Game Award winner ever kind of like made you go, you know what? I think I'm going to check that out. Kind of like, I feel like I, you know, you have that with Oscars where like, I haven't seen this movie or heard of it, but it won Best Picture, so I'm going to go out of my way to check it out. <laughs> um... I'm trying to think if there's anything from this year in particular that's done that, that I haven't I already played. Oh. I don't think for me personally, I think part of it is because we're like part of the people that vote for and nominate games for the game awards. So it's True. for the most part stuff that we've like been trying to pay attention to. Um, so off my head, I don't really have anything. I've been meaning to play Armored Core 6. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I think that's just in terms of like the buzz people have had from it. I'm like, oh, that seems cool. I just haven't haven't gotten around to it. I, um, I played a little bit of Sea of Stars, and I enjoyed what I played, but seeing it win uh, was it best, best 
debut indie or, or whatever. Yeah, or like, I think it was just best indie. Best indie. Straight up. Um, yeah. Made me kind of reconsider like, hmm, maybe I should make some more time for that. Maybe I should go back and finish that. Because uh, I had played a little bit of it and kind of fallen off, but seeing just how much, how much people really, really loved that game this year kind of you know made me decide, like, I'll, I'll put that closer to the top of my list of things I'll I'll get to before the end of the year. Yeah, I'm about halfway through Sea of Stars, and I, I echo that. You should definitely get back into it. It's very good. Um, I will say that um, I think also for the best, I think it was best debut indie, um, Pizza Tower is recommended, and that's a game that I've been meaning to check out, but just, you know, just kind of got buried under everything else but seeing it nominated again reminded me that i need to go back and give that a look so that's probably mine for this year um but yeah i i, I agree with what chain whip and saying like i that's kind of maybe one of the like low-key benefits of these shows is that they're a reminder of things that either you forgot about or validation of like oh this this must be good i didn't know if this was good or not but it's got like it's up for like seven things so maybe i should uh at least give that a look. So, yeah, thank you for Chain Weapon for that. Uh, Troidal Power via Discord asks, what's the most perfect food and beverage pairing? For me, it's Mr. Pib and extra toasty Cheez-Its. I, I'm a big fan of Mexican food and beer. It's a thing where if I have one, I find myself really wanting the other. Is there a specific combination of like a specific type of Mexican food and a specific beer that is like your number one? No, I'm not really picky with beer. I mean, I'd probably get like a, I don't know, some kind of Mexican specific beer. Um, but like, it, like nachos, I think are probably the specific one. I often make nachos like late at night when I don't feel like making other food. And I'm like, I'm just going to throw some butter and cheese in a pan and make a sauce. What? Um, you do that late at night? Wow. Okay. I thought you were. I I thought you were gonna do like the real like like butter, lazy butter nachos of like I'm gonna sprinkle some shredded cheese and some chips and put it in the microwave for 30 seconds and then there you go. <laughs> but you're out. You're making I, I cheese know. sauce late at night. Okay. It, it's 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 because it's such a specific craving. If it wasn't, I don't know. I'm a very food motivated person. Um, they just opened up a Shake Shack near me. Right. Um, and that's not a thing they have in just where I live. It's like a, a East Coast thing. Um, and I've been I've been dreaming about it all the time. So it's a thing of like if I'm if I can't stop thinking about a food and I have the means to make it, it doesn't matter what hour it is. Right. It's not your time. Did you go to Shake Shack yet or? Uh, that was a bad example. I did try to go, but the line was so long that we it was like half an hour in line that we were like, we just got to go. We have places to be. We thought this would right. be a quick stop. And it was not. There was like. There was like the sheriff was there. Like the sheriff was there directing traffic. <laughs> oh my because God. there was so much, such a big line to get into this stupid Shake Shack. Which these poor people like have only worked there for like a day. And then they have the craziest opening weekend ever. Yeah, That's the, like, I hope you were paying attention during training because here it comes. That, it's yeah. like, that was like, they just recently opened a Raisin Cane's in Times Square. And uh, mm. when I work at the theater, it's like right around the corner from it. And I walked by it and it was like, there was a sign that, it, it was like lined six hours from this point. And it was like people just lined up in Times Square for Raisin Canes. And I got nothing against Raisin Canes, but I was like, it's just a chicken tender. You can, yeah. you can get it yeah, anywhere It's literally, else. they have four menu items. Yeah, <laughs> it's about else. it. It's okay. 20 minutes is tops. And they're six all just hours. different. Like every menu item is just different quantities of chicken tenders yeah. um, in one sandwich. It's like, it's funny you say that because they opened a Raisin Canes in Orlando 
and it was the same situation like it just opened and i went over there uh two days ago and long line with also a cop car <laughs> present <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I mean, and I, People I line up for these chain restaurants. Yeah. I mean, there was a White Castle right next to it. That was the same situation that that opened a year and a half ago. So it's still pretty new and it's still super busy. You know, the things we do for our fast food. Uh, Jesse, did you have a answer to this food drink combination that you go to? Yeah, there's so I don't drink a lot of soda just generally, but there's something about going to like a like a diner and getting just like a diner burger and like a like a fountain soda. There's just something something about it that it's just like, man, just like a, a nice big burger, some French fries, and like a Coca-Cola. And like to me, that's like yeah. the ultimate pairing. Is it it, it you get it like do they serve it in the fancy Coke bottle? No, no, it's gotta be it's gotta be the fountain soda. You gotta get it from the machine. Oh, like just, the- just in the glass. Oh yeah. Because you know oh, that it's like just like plastic glasses. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know it's just like underneath there, it's just a box of syrup that's just going through seltzer into the like you're just like, yeah. <laughs> There's a gazillion ants under the counter. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little dirty, but you're cool with it. It's like great. Yeah. It's like a diner has to have like an acceptable level of grime to be a diner. Exactly. Like it can't be too clean. It, it, you know, it has to be like, it has to be just shy of being a health code violation. Yes. You That's know? how you know it's good. Exactly. Uh, God, I feel like I don't know because I don't like, I, I always tell people that I drink like 90% water and it's like, when I go out to eat, I always get water. And it's not like a money thing. It's just like, that's just, I don't drink soda. I don't drink a lot of like super sugary drinks. So I just like, and water's like the best thing you can drink in terms of hydration. So like, and it's neutral. So it doesn't interfere with the food that you're eating too. Um, so, and then when it's not that, it's probably coffee. So mm. like maybe a nice cup of coffee with like a good dessert. It's probably my answer for this. Like maybe like an... Oh, like an apple pie a la mode, Ooh. like after maybe just, in the same diner, Jesse. Yeah, yeah you're sitting you across from me. You get the apple pie and the coffee. I get the burger and the soda. And then yeah. Charles is making nachos at 2 and two I'm at home by myself. <laughs> coming over with the beer It's like we called him to come, but he said he had other things to do with his life. <laughs> and I'm so wait. sorry. I just started this room. I really got to stream this milk in slowly enough. <laughs> so I've been at the Shake Shack for four hours. I haven't got me yet. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it, guys. <laughs> there we go. Oh, God. I'm hungry now. I haven't actually had a big lunch. I had a mild lunch. Lunch preview. I don't know. Uh, Luke Skywalker via Discord asks, what songs are you hoping will be added to Fortnite's Rock Band mode? And will y'all be streaming with instruments when support is eventually added? Um, I think it's called Chug Jug With You. Yeah. Um, it's a parody of American Boy by Estelle. So it's like, number one, victory, Royale. Yeah, Fortnite, we about to get down. Get down. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a hot tune. Marcus, are you familiar version. with that? No. <laughs> so, Marcus, you've never been in high school while Fortnite is out? Um, I thought you were going to say you've never been in high school. <laughs> uh, it's just a but, different But you world. are the first thing is correct, yes. Yeah. Um, that, that's just a, a symptom of it is people singing, just talking about Fortnite, singing that song. Yeah. Got Okay. Um, is WAP in the game yet? <laughs> nope. Challenging. Okay. That's hmm. my answer. <laughs> now is now the question is do they censor it? Uh, and I don't think you legally know you can't. 
<laughs> you can't. Legally, they can't. can't. I, I think it should be against the law to censor it. <laughs> Cardi B will hurt. It's the kids' it, Bob they, version. It's like wings and pizza. Whoa. <laughs> well, and there's. It's funny because there's a vocals track. I feel like it would just be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like you have the guitars, like and all that stuff, but then you just stand there, just, just like I don't single know. note. And <laughs> there's some. <laughs> I mean, he already put separate ratings on these modes now, so they could just do that. Just be like, hey, just so you know. It's true. Mature. It's true. <laughs> I don't know if I need a specific song. I just need more songs. At this point, it's just, yeah. a, it's, it's just a quantity game for me. What if you put, like, Weird Al songs in... Now like, we're I used talking. to think that, like, it'd be funny if they put Weird Al songs in, like, Rock Band or Guitar Hero. Even if they're, like kind of basically covers but still uh-huh. or at least for like rock band like it would be funny for whoever's the vocalist to have to sing like weird owl songs just the know? entirety of running with scissors in rock band like yeah i'm i'm here for it let's do it yeah can we make let's make that happen Trapped or, or put weird owl in fortnite just make him a character definitely put weird owl in fortnite first. i'm surprised weird owl's not in fortnite already yeah it seems okay. like his kind of thing yeah I, tomorrow they announce it and then we can look back on this podcast and be like here we go we called it wielded into existence all right jr via discord asks, given street fighter 6's recent edition of modern controls what do you think will be the next evolution in fighting games i would love to see more fighting games experiment with practice modes mini games and off the wall campaigns like smash does super smash brothers well do i have news for you jr tekken 8 sounds like it's got all of that according to brian shea so yeah, they mini I, games, off the wall campaign, cool stuff. True. Yeah, off training the wall modes. In the air. I wonder, like, because I get what he's saying with like, especially like the modern control stuff, which we've seen variations of in most recent fighting yeah. games of like more or less simplified controls, so it's not as uh, difficult to play immediately. Um, man, I. Uh, because I think between Tekken 8 and, and Street Fighter 6 and Mortal Kombat, they've all become so robust with their offerings that it's like outside of adding like a brand new, like basically adding a mode that's more or less a different genre into the game. Like like the like the 2000s Mortal Kombat games used to do that, right? Where they had like the kart racing mode and like chess and like puzzle combat. Like, so I don't know. What if Street Fighter 7 was somehow a first person shooter? <laughs> But it was first <laughs> sure. person Hadoukens. I would love that. Like you, or you, just first person mode. Yeah, like you know they already have World Tour, which is like the third person, basically open world Yakuza light game. So what if it was first person that and your Ryu, and you can throw punches and you know you're seeing it and you can just shoot Hadoukens in first person. And I'll take it. I'll take it one step further. Uh. Well, let's, let's do we'll do VR Mortal Kombat. Oh, oh! For, but first person VR Mortal Kombat. So it's like you really you really hate getting hit in certain ways. <laughs> yeah, you really feel it. Like, like if I, you threw, get, threw a like, spear into my stomach. Oh my, oh my god. god! Like if you get decapitated, you see your head like being separated the, from its the body. Headset, and it's like, like first pops off your head. Like it has like <laughs> like, like haptics and shoots off your head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or it just goes black. <laughs> yeah, or you're the one doing the fatality, so you have to do the motions of like slicing this person's throat open and, and like seeing their entrails fall or, or whatever. And it really makes you really makes you think. 
put poking oh. your head through, like looking like like you do in VR. You're like, oh, this is gross. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> yeah, you reach my whole hand in there. There we go. Yeah. yeah, first person fatalities. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Mortal Kombat. Wh- what are we up to now? Twelve. The or two. Well, two is we two, call guess, the yes. one. Yeah. Well, if they do Mortal Kombat one plus two, and then get rid of the plus sign, it becomes Mortal Kombat twelve. Everything about oh, that. I huh? think you just oh, describe oh. what that reveal trailer is going to be. Sorry, <laughs> come up with a new idea. One two Mortal Kombat. One two Switch. Exactly. <laughs> After that, it's everybody's Mortal Kombat. Everybody's Every mini game is death. <laughs> just, just the most horrible thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Scorpion wearing a horse head mask. <laughs> He cut off more Mot- Motaro. Cuts. He's basically a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Just Motaro's head. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Zachary Bliggy in Discord asks, will Harada finally add the two greatest martial artists to Tekken 8 as DLC characters, Bruce Leroy and Shonuff? Uh, yes, they yeah. will. That Why not? I think I'm going to, uh, like... In the spirit of that question asked, like, also, for those that don't know who Bruce Leroy is, uh, have you guys seen The Last Dragon? No. 80s martial arts film. It, basically, like, a, a, I don't know if I go all the way to call it black exploitation. It was kind of like in the dying days of that. But it was more or less like Enter the Dragon or like a Bruce Lee movie, but with like an all black cast. And it's oh, okay. basically a comedy, kind of like a parody, too. Um it's very good. You should you should go out of your way to watch The Last Dragon and right. see Bruce Lee Bruce Leroy, who was the protagonist. Um, mm. With that said, who if you guys have a could have a dream guest character in Tekken Eight because they've done guest character for like what was the Tekken Seven had Negan from the uh, and and, and Prince Noctis Lucius Calum from Final Fantasy Fifteen. That's right, I forgot about that. <laughs> so does that mean Clive for Eight? I don't know. Yeah, who would you, who do you want to see in Tekken Eight? One guest fighter, Majima Go- uh, Goro Majima from Like a Dragon, Yakuza. That's who I Ooh, want. That's good. That's good answer. It's gonna be hard to top. Thought about um, it a lot. Let's see. Mortal Kombat just did like all the sort of like evil Superman, basically with like Omni Man and stuff. Um, trying to think of something in the spirit of Negan of something that was just completely left field. Peely from Fortnite. The oh, did you, I think you said Jeff Keeley. No, no, no. Yeah. My answer is uh, uh, Weird Al. Weird Al, yeah. Weird Al, and Weird Al throws someone into a volcano and sings about it. <laughs> there we go. Um, maybe uh, I almost said Homelander, but that's happening. That's actually happening. Uh, Squid Game guy. The the main guy, <laughs> yeah, from okay. Squid Game <laughs> for sure. Num- what was number ninety nine or something whatever? like that? He was like the last one, basically a thousand, a hundred. I don't know him. Um, where he he's like basically God because every time he's about to lose, he wins through like some weird <laughs> luck or like somebody else slipping on a banana peel. Basically, like he, <laughs> just when you think you have him, he comes back in some weird way. So yeah, I I don't know Squid Game, Mister Squid Game. Mr. Squid. Mr. Squid I don't remember his name. First name Squid, last name Game. That's how he introduces himself when he walks into the into the arena. Uh, so there you go, Harada. If you're listening, we've um, basically laid out your next year of DLC plans. Uh, let's see here. 
Last question, chock full of in Discord asks, can you explain the news about the game the day before? I never understood why there was so much hype about this game, and then I just saw the studio close days after launch. Um, the day before no, so Yeah, so um, at least at the time that we're recording, uh, what was it, yesterday or today, um, that the studio behind the day before, which was an MMO zombie survival game that had been hyped up for i think years like i would hear about it off and on i was i never followed it super closely it would i would just see an update every now and then and go oh that could be cool and then sort of move on um but it finally came out in early access it didn't actually fully launch and from what i understand from people that played it it was really bad and also maybe um (laughs) maybe bad in ways that could be considered fraudulent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the then first, the first IGN one, I think I've ever seen. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then what, like a few days after it came out, the studio announced that they were shutting down because of the game's poor financial performance. And, you know, they're like, Hey, I'm sorry. We wanted to make this better, but we can't cause we can't afford it. And we have no money. And they only recently came out and said that they would be offering refunds to uh, peeps that bought the early access version. You also can't buy the game currently. Like, it's completely taken off Steam. Yeah. Uh, The store page is still there. You just can't buy it. So if you want to go stare at it, I guess (laughs) you can do that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I guess that answers the question of what it was. But did either of you two? play it at all because i i did not or i've been consuming a lot of my knowledge of this game through tiktok and watching other people sort of kind of show what what's up with it and like my understanding is that they showed off these really flashy trailers sort of this like look at our game it's so cool and i gained a lot of like hype on social media and other places because like this game looked too good to be true which normally means it's too good to be true uh and then i was watching clips of people like they would go to shoot a zombie and they would just get fatal error and the game would crash and then they'd load it back up and shoot and it would go fatal error and the game would crash to the point where like people weren't even able to like play this game. And it was a fatal error. They did kill someone. It's just, it's just, wild. <laughs> That's true. I don't know how we really got here outside of like trailers gaining a lot of hype. And there seemed to be this like weird social buzz about this game that no one's really seen gameplay of or played themselves or whatever and then it kind of kept getting kicked down the line it reminds me a lot of um what was that game that everybody thought uh kojima was a part of or the silent yeah it reminds me a lot of abandoned in in that sort of weird marketing cycle where there's no real product at the end of the day yeah it's like almost like glorified vaporware yeah basically of like is this which by the way now that you bring up abandoned have we do we know what's up with that game officially yet like is that like because i remember they put out that weird app that i downloaded that had like two videos of like a guy stepping on a wooden board or something like that and it was just supposed to show off the engine but then after that and there was all the the news reports about it possibly being shady and and stuff like that like there's something with like that that game's discord channel or something like that um but yeah i i still have not heard the like i was wondering like have i missed any official confirmation that this is either a scam or or what's or what is happening with that game just kind of fell into the ether uh much like it sounds like the day before did where it kind of goes away and then resurfaces and then eventually comes out and is what it is so i don't want to say that game is like 
like that i don't know what that game's development story is it could be great if it exists but there's a lot of similarities i've seen between these two projects yeah. and the way that people are sort of be- making them their personality when they're really hyped up they're like oh it's gonna be the best game ever we're gonna play it's gonna be below our minds blah 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 and then it comes out and it's like not what was advertised no and in this game's case it sounds like it missed the mark <clears throat> by an incredibly wide margin from what i'm hearing uh yeah it's uh it's wild you don't really see disasters of this scale like that often of like i mean i can remember the last time a studio closed almost immediately after shutting down i mean shadow yeah, the gambit the cursed crew that happened but for a much different reason like that game was good um what was that even that studio battle royale game that um the lawbreakers devs made oh uh radical right was it radical heights free radical heights yeah i feel like that was like they they really sat and then shortly after that studio shut down not exactly the same situation but like a similar like game release to studio closure being a couple weeks it's like the game release being like almost like a final gasp like hey this is this is coming out too late for it to make a difference in terms of our future so we're just putting it out and writing it off basically unless somehow it became like a gazillion dollar success in mere hours but other than that this is kind of it for us uh yeah it's uh it's wild uh like i said they at least seem to be doing right by players by offering refunds you know good luck with that if you purchase this and you know played it longer than sort of steam's refund policy allows and hopefully that gets uh sorted out sooner than later but yeah uh sounds like a huge mess um also the uh daisy response to that not great either i don't know if you guys saw that um have you seen that jesse was this the the like the one where they were like shit happens or whatever did you see that um no the 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 daisy twitter account basically tweeted out a parody of the of the uh day before twitter announcement of basically saying hey we're closing like you know that that, oh that 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 message they put out of like hey we're closing um they pretty much copied it like verbatim but just filled the line they just said like hey daisy's great like they did the same format as that announcement but it was just saying hey you know daisy's still around and daisy has been doing well and then because you know in the in the day before announcement they had the timeline of like here's when the studio was founded here's when we announced the day before here's when we launched it and like by year yeah and they did that with daisy of like here's when daisy was announced and here's when (laughs) daisy launched and uh it has not gone over very well Ooh. to say the least of like Yikes. that seems in poor taste like yes it's, there's a good it was so fast too it's yeah it was like immediate like they must have made the decision like in the, like someone on the team was like hey guys i made this should i post it yeah like we read um, this once it was like you know it'd be funny let's not talk about this let's just put it out <laughs> like this is a if this is a bad look for us regardless of whether or not you know, we don't know for sure whether that studio was like shady all the way around. But even if there was some shady people, I doubt the entire development team was involved in any. Uh, it's like it's still people losing their jobs. So I don't know if that's a great look. <laughs> you know, it's like maybe you just don't say anything. Just <laughs> sort of kind of like dancing under graves a bit. So, yeah, that was a that was another thing I saw that was like, ooh, I don't know if that was a good idea. <laughs> so, uh yeah but yeah uh chalk full of hope that answers your question and uh yeah go watch a trailer about it too see what uh what could have been i need to look up some of there's those, gonna uh, be a sick documentary about this game in a couple of years someone's mm. gonna get that story and write it and i cannot wait oh yeah 
somebody someone someone call up uh, what's his name alex van aiken yeah he'd be yeah, making yeah, making documentaries maybe that's why he's not here he saw this and he's like i gotta get Whoa. on this it's gonna be called the yeah. day after there you go that, easy pickings <laughs> go for it well i think that wraps up this episode of the game informer show thank you guys so much for watching and or listening jesse vitelli thank you so much for once again coming on thank you uh, like we me. mentioned up top you are now a free agent you are free to go anywhere you want it's true feel free to promote anything that you want to promote or just how can people find you yeah uh people can find me primarily on twitter it's usually where i hang around at jesse vitelli um i wish i had like more to promote or do anything like this i became a free agent on monday so it's really been just a a whirlwind of uh, i left on you know i, I left onto my new chapter onto my next challenge uh and it feels good and it's exciting and i'm excited to be able to collaborate with folks like y'all and whoever else out in the ether would like to uh make some cool stuff or hire me for a job that's also cool health insurance is sick um but yeah uh twitter at jesse vitelli again if you just google my name you'll probably find me somewhere uh if you go to twitter though you'll find my email account and links to all my other projects and stuff uh, and feel free to contact me if you want to get in touch for any reason for work or just to make cool video. Like I love sitting here and, and chatting with y'all and just making cool stuff. Like, it's the best part of the job, yeah. honestly. Honestly. 100%. And you've done some like really cool stuff over at uh, Prima that people can still go uh, check out. So yeah, keep keep uh, Jesse in mind if you're out there hiring. He's awesome. And uh, Charles, of course, thank you as always for joining me. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. And visit GameInformer.com for all of our online content. And as always, of course, please subscribe to Game Informer Magazine and pick up those single issues that I mentioned before. Great way to support us and all of our great editors. So until next week, we shall see you next time. Have a good one. Treat everyone well. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.